Welcome to a Trucker's Mind Podcast. I'm Eddie McGee. It's your boy, K. Fings. We're back, man. Episode 174. Yes, sir. Except this one is different because it will be the first podcast on YouTube. Yeah. We finally got the balls and the and the equipment and the know-how and the lights and all the shit mm. to finally get on here. So this, this will be the first time you're actually seeing us on the podcast for some of you guys. Yeah. If you don't that's fight. probably that's always like a, a interesting thing when you put a face to a voice. Right. So right. Should be interesting for people. Right. This is for the people. There was this dude that told me it's like, yeah, man, you and your co-host is dope. Uh, the Asian dude. I was like, what? So apparently, <laughs> uh, apparently, Keith sounds Asian. Oh my gosh! Yeah, he, t- he totally thought you were Asian. I just fucking went with it. I was like, yeah, yeah, dude. Really, really cool Asian guy. He's really cool. I was during the Stop Asian Hate movement. Nah, it was just some older black dude. He's like, yeah. I heard y'all, man. Y'all funny, man. And your, your homeboy, the Asian dude, he cool, man. <laughs> How the fuck do you just assume someone's Asian? By their voice? I don't That's know. He probably Without fi- an accent, too. No, I think what it is, he probably figured you're pretty, you're a pretty sharp guy. You, mm-hmm. you articulate yourself well. So he was like, smart Asian. And that's yeah. what happened. Yeah. That's what dumbass niggas <laughs> think. They associate color to intelligence. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. hilarious. But yeah. All right, let's get right into it, man. Um, Biz Marquis, man. Rest in peace to Biz Marquis. Yeah. For all those that uh, that knew him over the years in regards to some of the music he released. I think one of his biggest songs was... Uh, you got what I need, mm-hmm. but you say he's just a friend. Yeah. So uh, he brought a lot of joy and laughter to people. He was like the he had like a, a comedic or satirical undertone to a lot of his music. Yeah. And that's what made him really cool. He had a song I think it was called Flip Fl- uh, Flicking Boogers. Mm-hmm. Like he, had all, <laughs> he had all kinds of shit that he came out, man. Yeah. So uh, a huge rest in peace to Biz Marquis, man, and. Uh, to his family and whatnot, and the yeah, people who loved to him his all family, years. man. Definitely, man. Mm-hmm. So, shout out to him. You got anything you want to say? No, nah, that's pretty much it, man. Right, Rest man. in peace to the to the uh, legend. Yeah, definitely a, a, a le- legend and a fixture in hip hop. Mm-hmm. You know, for that time frame, it was something very different. Mm-hmm. All right, let's get right into the topics. Um, can money buy you happiness? I've, I've done some time and thinking about this, and. The answer is yes and no. And here's why. The old adage that is say, that says money can't buy you happiness. You learn as you get older that that's bullshit because <laughs> everything costs money. Mm-hmm. Everything. Like if you love fishing, fishing poles cost money and the boat costs money if, to rent if you don't already have a boat. And you need a fishing license. That costs money. You mm-hmm. want to take women on dates? That costs money. They want to be taken out. If you love hoes, hoes cost money. If you love prostitution, pussy costs money. Okay? Pussy costs a lot of money. A lot of money, especially mm-hmm. if you get the good ones. Now, uh, I don't know anything about that. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> just everything costs money. And on and here's the thing. People would be like, no, that's not true. This is irrefutable because if you want to travel or you want to be spontaneous, let's say, for example, you tell your girlfriend, hey, let's go to Vegas. Like, grab your bags. Let's go right now. In order to be spontaneous, you got to have money. Yeah. If you try to tell your wife or your girlfriend, hey, let's go to Vegas and you broke, they'd be like, Danny, just stop. We don't have the money. Just, yeah. Uh, just leave it alone. Yeah. Right? So everything costs money. And a lot of on, on the other side of your happiness is money. A lot of times, if you want to do things that make you happy, it costs money. Mm-hmm. Um, am I saying that it, it, uh, it like in every facet of your life? That happiness is like needs money. That's not true. 
But for the most part, yeah, I feel like you fucking need money, man. You really do. Mm-hmm. That's just my opinion. I have a lot more to say, but yeah, I don't necessarily agree. I think that from personal experience, the amount of money in my bank account never affected how happy I was. Right. I will say that, you know, being broke is stressful. Yeah. Um, but I think outside of like when you just kind of look at it on a, you know, just like on a basic level as far as like does a fancy car make me happy does a you know does six figures seven figures in my bank account make mm-hmm. me happy does a huge house make me happy i think that's kind of what the the cliche points to more mm-hmm. and what i've realized is that um my happiness is primarily um comes from like doing what i love um you know creating content um hanging out with family uh just kind of those basic things like sometimes i like one of the things that i'm uh enjoying now like i'll bring my niece to do some work with me at the office um just those kind of things like those are the things that generally make me happy but i do understand that you know in order to that there are some people out there that have um these uh like they like taking vacations. They like going on hikes. They like, like you said, fishing, you know, maybe their favorite thing to do in their spare time is like watching NBA basketball games and stuff like that. So I do understand it on that that level. But for me, I think um, I don't necessarily associate any dollar amount or money with um, my happiness. Yeah, I feel you. But I think that what blows up all of that is the fact that when you're sitting there with a cup of noodles Uh and that's all the fuck you got to eat, you're not happy. Okay, I I have a I'm I'm talking for me personally. I never I never associated happiness with like a cup of noodles or something. No, no. But that's not what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. I think that basically either either way, you know, bringing the niece to the office, but the office costs money. There is no office without money. Yeah. So I think that on the other side, as much as we can say Money doesn't bring you happiness. It brings you a peace of mind. And in that peace of mind, you have happiness. Yeah. There's no peace of mind when all the fuck you got to eat is bologna sandwiches. I've been there. It's a fucked up situation. Mm-hmm. It does not feel good. I even I, I, I'm telling my sister, I have a trauma that's associated with eating noodles. And I have not eaten a cup of noodles or ramen noodles in years because I remember being poor. And that's all the fuck I had to eat. That's a terrible situation. It mm-hmm. feels bad. Um, also, not to mention, if you even want a relationship, you need to have money. There are no women that are signing up for broke men. If you are a broke man, women don't want to fuck with you because they've been with broke men and they wasn't and the guy didn't have any money. And it, it sucks to say that, like you shouldn't date or not date a person because of what they make or don't make. But in the real world, in the real world, women are not signing up for broke men. Mm-hmm. You know, another one of the number one reasons for divorces, money. You know who you know who fucking files for 70 percent of divorces? Women. So this is just a little peace of mind here. As much as we don't want to believe that money bring can buy you happiness, like in some ways it can. Is it is it true as a total idea? Fuck no. But I'll tell you this much. You realize the amount of privilege that comes with money when you're driving down the road, right? If you're broke and you're driving down the road, you got to drive all the way home because you have no fucking money to stop at Arby's or McDonald's. Arby's is nasty, by the way. Um, (laughs) Anywhere. You can't stop anywhere because you got to eat at home because you ain't got the money to eat out. But Mm -hmm. when you have the convenience of having money, you're like, fuck, I'm starving. All right. Let me go to this place to eat. 
So money also gives you options, which if you're a person that loves food and you love to eat out and it makes you happy, you need money to do that. So money can unlock certain forms of happiness. Mm -hmm. Is money in its totality just this joy bringing thing? You could be a rich, miserable motherfucker. There are plenty of people like that. (laughs) But Mm -hmm. but the only point I'm trying to get across is the fact that money can't buy you happiness is not 100% true in itself because it can unlock things that make you happy also. Yeah, I agree. I just think that the the cliche is not, it's it's a cliche for a reason. It's, it's like you can only, with a one sentence statement, you can only encompass so much information. Facts, that's facts. So I think, you know, although that thing is true, I, I'm not sure that that's what they were talking about. I think it was not a very cliche nuanced. created by some wealthy man that was, probably a multimillionaire and he was sitting around. He probably was um, planking on money. He pr- probably had all the women that he could desire right. and he still wasn't happy. Um, so I think that's what it points to. But if you do want to have a nuanced conversation, you can, if you do want to go on a vacation and that makes you happy or if you want to see mm-hmm. the world, you want to go, um, you know, see the Great Wall of China or, you mm-hmm. know, see the pyramids in Egypt or whatever. You need money to do those things. And right. that does um, make some people happy. So yeah. I get it. Yeah. I just what makes me laugh is the is the celebrity, the rich celebrity motherfucker that's tweeting on his phone while he's hitting some chick from the back. Like money don't buy you happiness, yo. Like <laughs> You're fucking a model. So like, but you, they but they under do? I mean, they understand it, though. If you're if you're a person without money, you can't make that. You can't make that uh, that uh, you can't make that statement. Sometimes that shit. Ain't, sometimes that shit ain't genuine, man. It just sometimes this seems like a cool thing to say when you're a person that's rich as fuck. Yeah. But there are so many people that live in poverty and be like, I would be happy if I had a million dollars, motherfucker. I yeah. can't even feed my kids. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I can't feed my kids. You talking about money can't buy me happiness. I love my wife. I, or I love my husband. I love my kids. Right. Mm-hmm. But I'm fucking struggling and it's making me miserable. I hate how I feel in the morning. I can't provide. I can't provide for myself. So, yeah, I feel like money doesn't of it doesn't fit. It's not a fixer upper. But for the most part, it's like, yo, like if I'm rich as fuck, let's say I'm rich as fuck. Right. I'm not going to be tweeting money can't buy you happiness. I'm not even going to post that. I think it's important for people to hear, though. And I don't think I don't. I also don't know if money buys you happiness or if being broke um, is like the like the opposite of that. I think having money in those situations just decreases your stress level. And I don't think stress and uh, and happiness are um, connected in a sense. I think being less stressed is not necessarily making meaning that you're happy. True, 100%. Let's say you're like a car enthusiast, right? Mm-hmm. You love cars. You happen to love Ferraris, mm-hmm. right? But you work part-time at Target, right? That's where that's where you work. But you're mm-hmm. a car enthusiast. You love cars, but you work at Target. You will never, ever, ever make enough fucking money to afford a Ferrari if, if you work at Target. You have to find a job, skill, or trade to make enough money to afford a Ferrari that makes you happy. So that is the that is the this is not a very nuanced. It's just a statement, Mm -hmm. but it's a very nuanced topic like it runs very deep. Mm -hmm. Like if I'm a dude like let's say, for example, I'm in a relationship. I'm broke. I got a good girl. What 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 motivates me in that moment to want to do better 
and to make is to make my girl happy. And I know me being broke is making the the situation overall is tougher because we both broke. I know making more money would reduce the stress level, which would make me and my girl happy. So it's just so many avenues that money does help. Mm-hmm. But if you're a piece of shit, money ain't going to change that. You're just going to be a piece of shit with money. Mm-hmm. Right. I don't know what make you happy. If you are overweight and and you get a bunch of money, it's not going to change your overweight weight. But you can't pay for the surgeries now. You can't pay for them to put that big fucking needle in you. Yeah, suck all that fat out of you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You're going to be looking lumpy and shit, but you can't afford <laughs> You can't afford the surgery. Has I, w- I was thinking this yesterday. Has any guy ever got a BBL? Oh, oh my God. I hope not. <laughs> Damn. That'd be weird. You're walking around with a big booty. <laughs> Just a random. They said a BBL is, is, is ladies because they're the ones getting it. You don't have to listen to me. But since we're on YouTube now, just scroll over to another tab and look up BBL surgery is the most dangerous procedure. I just seen it the other day. It was a couple uh, uh, cosmetic surgeons that were talking about it Mm -hmm. or plastic surgeon, whatever. And they said that there's like veins or like arteries or whatever. There's like veins that are in your your butt or in certain parts of your body that it could become like toxic. And it's very dangerous to do this. Mm -hmm. So, look. Don't quote me on this since we're on YouTube. I don't want to get hate in the comments. I probably will anyways. But go and look up what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Stop getting these BBLs, man. Stop getting them. The The man that is meant for you will love the fact that you got a little booty. He may not love your little booty, but he appreciates it. Mm-hmm. Right? So you fucking rock that little booty out. Yeah. Okay. But I don't know. What if that's their source of happiness? What? Getting a big butt. Um, well, I, I guess that, but here's the problem with, with cosmetic surgery, or I, I think that with that, they'll be happier for the attention they receive, but what's at the end of attention? Nothing. Mm-hmm. There's nothing. At, you could have huge tits, right? You could be a flat chested person. You get your boobs done. You get attention for it. That's fine. That could make you happy that you're receiving that attention. But at the end of attention is nothing. Yeah. Nothing, there's nothing at the end of attention. It's fine. I think that some cosmetic surgery will help people with their self-esteem. But like, honestly, that is up to that's up to y'all. I Because I'm going to get labeled as a uh, what do you call it? Uh, it's misogynistic to say what a woman should do with her body. I'm from a health standpoint. I know that breast implants and BBLs are dangerous. Mm-hmm. I think breast implants are not that dangerous now, though. I think they use new material now. But in the 80s, women were getting fucked up. Those things are toxic, man. Mm-hmm. But uh, I don't know where the fuck we went with this. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, oh, my sister gave me a great example. I was talking to her about this this subject matter. And she said, um, like, basically, money can't buy you happiness also because Aaron Rodgers is not happy with his current situation in, in uh, Green Bay. Yeah. And I believe they offered him a contract. And he was still like, man, fuck all that. Yeah. You know, he's not happy with the certain situation that he has with personnel Mm -hmm. over there. And you can't just throw money at somebody that's not happy. Like there are times where if if I get offered money to do something, that's not going to really motivate me to do it if I value my time more. Yeah. Because I know that that time will make me more happy than that fucking money that you're trying to offer me. Mm -hmm. I'd rather have that time to myself. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, that's that's my perspective. Yeah, same. I never, I have never like moved with money, you know. 
I don't know. I, I like I said, I, I've ha- had times where I've had you know a lot of money in my bank account and a little bit of money in my bank account, and um, if there was a meter of happiness associated with that, I don't think mm-hmm. any of it like. I don't think it fluctuated. I, I think, think my stress levels were different, but 100%. I don't think my happiness was was any different. Oh yeah, those stress levels though. I think there's a correlation there too, though. I mm-hmm. think those stress levels and the the peace of mind. Um, I don't want to conflate them to this happiness. I don't know what exact metrics that determine happiness, mm-hmm. but I would assume that a peace of mind definitely would contribute to how happy you are. Mm-hmm. Like if if I have a family and I only have $20 and I have seven kids, my stress level is this fucking high because mm-hmm. I can't take care of my family mm-hmm. and, and I'm not happy. But if I've got $87,000 in savings and I have seven kids, my stress level's down here. Mm-hmm. And that makes me happy knowing that they're okay. So as much as we try to deny the fact that money doesn't buy you happiness or it can't bring you happiness, that is a fucking lie. That is, I don't know. Here's the thing. I, I see. I think I seen a meme. It says money can't buy you happiness, but it could buy you a Ferrari, which in turn would make you happy. <laughs> I don't believe that. I just don't believe that at all. Yeah, but you're not. Here's the thing, though. You, you, Keith, are not a materialistic person. You are not a person that sees things and objects don't make you happy. Mm-hmm. You don't move that way. I don't either. But I can see that a person if they buy a gold watch that can make them happy because in the past they weren't able to afford it. Mm-hmm. So to me, a gold watch is not anything and a buying a car, it's a depreciating asset. So I don't give a fuck about a car, mm-hmm. but little Bobby that grew up in fucking poverty and his parents never could afford a car. That guy loves it. That's the thing. I think sometimes we got to put ourselves aside. Like, um, I could say that this is stupid or this and that, but what if it brings that person happiness? But these are st- this, this these are statements that we hear from people that have it. Like J. Cole has a song called Love Yours, which mm-hmm. is about how materialistic stuff doesn't make doesn't really make you happy. Yeah. And I would lean on someone that has the experience if they've touched a million dollars and they're telling you like, hey, this is not this is, you know, it may the grass is not always greener on the other side. When I got a million dollars, I was still miserable. I still had relationship issues. Mm-hmm. You know, my brother was still uh, we hadn't talked in years and stuff like that. Um, and I tried to mask it with buying a Ferrari or buying a house or whatever. And it still didn't make me happy. So mm-hmm. um, I would just lean on somebody that has been through it versus like just trying to understand it from I think, it's, I think it's more nuanced than that because I don't <laughs> agree for this reason. J. Cole and these people that are coming out talking about it, they are famous. I think they're referencing more fame than anything. <laughs> if you are rich and no one knows you're rich, that's a different fucking story. So if you're not J. Cole, if, if you're a guy that has $78 million and no one really knows you because you're not famous, you're just a guy that's, you know, you own a couple businesses that have become very lucrative over the years then it's a lot. It's a different conversation than J. Cole. Everyone knows J. Cole. He can't go to the fucking Walgreens. He can't go in there without everybody. Let me get a picture with you. Mm-hmm. So there's so it's a very nuanced topic because the life they live is so it's just like they get swallowed by it. And guys like J. Cole and everyone else, they're young when it happens, too. So they have to adapt to being rich and famous at the same time. I think being adapting to wealth by itself is one problem, but adapting to wealth and fame, that's got to be tough. Mm-hmm. That's got to be a tough transition. 
but wealth is relative also. So I know of people personally that were complete and they weren't millionaires. They may make like a hundred thousand dollars a year or something mm-hmm. like that, but they would tell you the same thing. So I don't think that to me, the fame is not uh, calculated in, in that, in that scenario. Um, but yeah, I just, that's just, that's just my personal opinion. Yeah. I don't know about that. Like everything, there's a level, there's a level up. Um, people that have fuck you money, that's a different story. You got a lot. I'm talking about a hundred thousand dollars. Ain't I'm not trying to be fucked up, but it's not a lot of money. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a decent living, but it's not a lot of money. Mm-hmm. So I wouldn't even put you in that category. Cause if you lose your job that pays you a hundred, you're fucked. But if you make $800 million, it's going to be a lot more harder to squander that shit off. You know, so if you have fuck you money and it doesn't mean you're going to be happy by any standard. But at the same point, like without having that fame uh, added to it, I don't know if there's a difference or not. But, hey, I could believe what J. Cole was saying. You know, it's always going to be somebody with somebody better and this and that. And J. Cole was a regular college guy, just like everyone else. Mm-hmm. So I get it. I get it. But it's just for the I, it's also it's true, but it's also like a slap in the face. But J. Cole um, put that. He basically responded to that in the song. He mm-hmm. said, like, no disrespect, like to everybody in debt or something like mm-hmm. that that he had mentioned. But, yeah, I don't think people. I don't think everyone is so open because Drake talked about Drake had a comparable conversation also. But mm-hmm. it's when he had the award, like he got that award. He said, like, like all the money and this, that don't mean nothing. Like having people that come out and see you at your show and standing in the rain, standing in the rain for the show. And I could believe what, it, what, it, what he was saying. Yeah. I just think that the people that's broke across America is having a hard time comprehending that statement. Because they will never be rich. So they yeah. won't even have that experience. Yeah. I mean, they wouldn't that cliche will never apply to them because the majority of people will never even touch that kind of money. That's why it's called the one percent for a reason. Yeah. 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 I don't know. If you aspire to be the one percent though, mm-hmm. I think it's a different conversation. But yeah. I don't want to spin your wheels on this one. So we'll move on. Man, that was a deep dr- a deep drink, man. Got to, you know what I'm saying? Everybody gotta stay hydrated when you're on YouTube, that, baby. That, sh- that shit sounded sexual, man. <laughs> <laughs> you sound like, <laughs> Sounded like a gluck gluck, man. That's the uh, first batch of the pussy juice. <laughs> uh, hitting the market soon. <laughs> <laughs> it was uh, what was was it was on the first page? Yeah, Michael Jordan's special stuff. <laughs> was it? You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, that shit sounded like that Bugs Bunny special stuff <laughs> coming out of that fucking bottle, man. <laughs> All right, switching gears. Uh, the baby teaches young men a lesson. Um, I don't, I'm not sure how many of you guys have seen it, but. Recently, there was a story about uh, the baby and him approaching uh, these young men or young kids selling candy. So let me read it off. The baby defends refusing to pay two hundred dollars for candy being sold by children Um, in a video that hit social media over the weekend. Rapper the baby was seen refusing to pay two hundred dollars for candy uh, being sold by two teenagers after he asked him how much they would charge him if he bought their entire box of sweets. Um, what you want for the box? I'm gonna do it the baby voice. What y'all want for the box? Uh, the new North Carolina <laughs> rhymer inquired of the pair of the pair Sunday on Sun on Instagram. Two hundred. One of them answered. The baby asked the other how much his entire box of gushers costs. That team replies two hundred and gets clear about each item price. How much candy in a box? I want to keep reading this shit over. Basically, 
there the individual unit price for the candy was different than two hundred dollars. It would only it only would have came out to like what sixty something dollars was sixty eight sixty eight dollars would have been the total, but they were trying to charge the baby two hundred dollars, mm-hmm. right? Um, at the end, basically, he said, a teen tries to figure out the math in his head before 29-year-old, the baby answers back, it ain't even 200. It's not even 100. It's 68. Mm-hmm. <laughs> At the end of the encounter, the baby gave each of the teens $2. He purchased two gushes of $1 per candy and then one teen, uh, teen and a single pack of Skittles at at $2 for the other. You got to use your head. You tried to play me. The baby tells them before getting back into his Mercedes Benz Sprinter. I was going to bless you anyway. You would have gotten the 200, but now you got $2. Y'all be good. <laughs> and he was like, ha, ah, top of the mill is gone. <laughs> <laughs> Look, man, some people feel like because someone is a celebrity or they have a certain status that you can approach them differently than everyone else. Mm-hmm. And that's the problem with people. A lot of children have, or a lot of young people uh, have a sense of entitlement to certain things. Mm-hmm. Like it's like, this is too, this is apples and oranges, but I don't believe in, in uh, participation trophies. Yeah. That's uh, you shouldn't be entitled to anything. If you didn't fucking outright win it, mm-hmm. if you didn't outright win it. You don't deserve a trophy. Trophies are for first place. Yeah. Right. Second place is first place loser. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) That's what the fuck it is. Mm -hmm. But in this case, I feel like it's not okay to expect two hundred dollars. It is not okay to swindle people just because they have money. Mm -hmm. Like let's for let's say for example, you know, we got the camera, the lighting, and the and the the laptop and the interface and all this shit here, right? And and what if some rich guy said, So how much for um the whole setup? I want to buy your guys' setup exactly. How much is it? We can't tell him uh, twenty eight thousand <laughs> because that means we're a piece of shit. <laughs> we're looking at this person's status and using their status against them. You should not leverage someone's wealth or status against them. That's just being a crook. Yeah, Charlemagne talked about how um, I think maybe DJ Envy about how they won't put their name on certain things because like yes. certain service jobs because they know that they get the person taxed. yeah will try to up, upcharge everything so yeah i think i think there was a lot of backlash like a lot of people there there were some people that were saying they deserved to get the $2 or the $1 or whatever but there were some people saying that um like yeah, hey, they should have just gave him the two hundred dollars. Or some dude was like, yeah, I would have, uh, I would have drove off on him and then came back and then gave him the two hundred dollars just to no. try to teach him a lesson. It's like you know, first of all, like the baby is you know wealthy and he can do whatever he wants to do with his money. If he chose right. not to even purchase that from them, and I think he genuinely was trying to bless them, and I think that. Um, he just felt slighted by them trying to, mm-hmm. you know, trying to get over on him in a sense, just because they knew who he was and, you know, knows that he's a rapper and whatnot. Right. But it, it's, it's a, it's a lesson learned for those kids. And now they know that, you know, I, I don't know in what capacity this situation would ever come up again, right. but sometimes we get one opportunity in a lifetime to kind of take advantage of a certain situation. 100%. And I think that those kids will probably still sell that box. They're just probably not going to sell it as fast as they would have if the baby was was there. Um, and honestly, like that money and I don't know what they plan to do with it. If they I think they had said it at the beginning, but 
I don't remember what they're planning to do with that money, but it's not it's not life changing money by no. any means. Like they, like I said, they're gonna go and they're probably gonna sell the rest of that box, you know, just hanging out on streets in New York, and they'll be all right. But they just kind of screwed themselves over in that situation. You're not entitled to anything like at all. Like mm-hmm. I think any. First of all, you need to remove. There's two things. You need to remove expectations of everything, mm-hmm. like everything in general. If you see. If you see, let's say some model at some club is making eye eye contact with you. She's just beautiful, mm-hmm. right? She's beautiful. You're matching eyes over and over again. You shouldn't even have a, an expectation that like, I'm going to go over there. I'm going to get her number. We're going to hang out. We're gonna do. No, it's not how life works. Yeah. So I know that was a random comparison, but mm-hmm. you shouldn't see the baby walking up like, oh, he going to try to buy our candy. Let's sell it for $200. No, mm-hmm. don't do that. Like, don't do that at all. Getting over on people, you are blocking your blessings by getting over on people. Yeah, for sure. Because what's what, here's the funny thing. What if you say, hey, these boxes 200 and he buys them. He's like, go to my website, man. And I'm a rapper. I rap too. You can check out my website. Then what he could do is buy your candy and know that you're ripping him off and purposely not go check out your artwork. Mm-hmm. I mean, because he knows you're a fucking swindler. Mm-hmm. I, think you, I think humility and... Honesty goes a longer way because here's the thing. If you tell them, hey, these are only this much. If you try to undersell it, like, yeah, these bars are a dollar, but I could give them to you for 50 cent, man. You the baby. He'd be like, nah, I'll pay you $300 for each box. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like one thing is, is anybody that had to work hard for their position, even if they regardless, if they didn't have to swindle people to get there. They expect you to be honest when you're selling them something. Mm-hmm. Just because I walk into Mercedes and you got a fucking Cadillac that's $75,000, don't try to sell it to me for eighty-seven. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's not okay. Yeah. You're right. You're going to get so much further in life just being solid. Yeah. And that's across the board. It, it has nothing to do with like, you know, selling candy or anything, but just across the board, like, especially with, if you're in like the sales or service right. industry, um, you can't fluctuate your your prices based off of who's coming in. Like in Bakersfield, if if you know somebody is from Rosedale or if they live in a certain space, yeah. you can't just be like, oh, it's this much for this person. And then if they're from the west side of Bakersfield, right. it's like, yeah. Yeah, you from the east side, it usually costs $50, but I'm going to charge, <laughs> charge you 75 cents. Like, nigga, don't charge me Section 8 prices to get in here. I got money too, motherfucker. <laughs> Fucking Section 8 prices, man. <laughs> Section yeah. A discount. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Some discounts I'm okay with. You charge him 900 but you charge me 20 Shit, I'll take oh, $20. Cool. Especially if it's like any type of mechanic type of work. Uh, yeah. You could charge me that Section A price. Yeah, what if he's like, what side of town you live on? You'd be like, I live on the east side. He'd be like, oh, I know it's tough for you. I'm going to charge you $10. <laughs> It usually costs me seventeen hundred, but uh Hey, that would be that would be interesting. What if the world was based off of like like how much you pay for certain things was based off of like your economics? Right, right. Oh. So like groceries for like a rich person, like you might get milk for like three dollars a gallon or something like that. Right. But for a rich rich person it might be like thirty bucks. Yeah, that's true. Or like a rich person that they like stereotype you like, I know it's tough being a black kid. Yeah. Single mother household. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to charge you two, two cents for that. <laughs> you got $700 worth of groceries. Yeah. 
But yeah. <laughs> That'd be crazy. You you charging me based off your economic assumptions of my life. Yeah. So it's like, okay, yeah, you know, I come from a poor household. Yeah, single mm-hmm. mom. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you eating it up. Right, right. You got you grew up with both parents and everything. You be like, yeah, yeah. man, it's been tough having a single mom, man. Yeah, middle class family, <laughs> never struggle for nothing. <laughs> Chilling. Oh man. No, I think ultimately though, the 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 lesson learned. Uh, and this whole interaction with the rapper, the baby was uh, regardless of who you come across, make sure you keep the same integrity. Yeah. You know, um, this, Charlamagne had brought this up. He said, I think he said his grandmother told him, she said, uh, uh, manners will take you where money won't. Mm-hmm. And I feel like it's not it's there's there's somewhat of a correlation to this mm-hmm. where I think it's good manners. Not only to you know be respectful to people, but to be consistent mm-hmm. and to also um, not try to swindle them just because you know they've got the money to cover it. Mm-hmm. You know, if if I if I knew a celebrity, like first of all, let's be clear, I know some people that have a lot of money, but not once have I told them or told them, hey, I, uh, you, know, you 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 should invest in this, or you should invest in a podcast, or you should do this or do that. Don't ever. Feel entitled to tell someone what they should be doing with their money. Yeah, facts. that is not okay. Mm-hmm. Me and Keith intend on being in the one percent someday. Mm-hmm. So when they say rich people aren't paying any taxes, it's not right, right? Mm-hmm. I'm thinking like shit. How can I learn not to pay taxes too? Yeah. When I found out, and look, I'm not a fan of Trump, but when I found out he paid like seven hundred fifty dollars, I was like shit. Yeah. Let me find out what are those like you there's certain tax codes, right? There's certain loopholes and tax codes, but he was able to get that done during the Obama administration. Yeah. So it's like you can't really be mad cuz if I'm making 300 million dollars a year, yeah. and I want to like avoid paying all them taxes, like I'm gonna do that. That's why that's what I'm saying like the only people that talk, like have that conversation. And that's why I was saying like it's it's as far as the last uh subject if you aren't actually um, capable it. of understanding like what it feels like to be uh, very wealthy, right? Then um, your your opinion is pretty much invalid. So as far yeah. as these people that make maybe like thirty thousand dollars a year that are trying to tell someone that's making three hundred million dollars a year what they should do or how they should pay their taxes, right? Like you don't even have that experience, and you don't right. know how much, especially being a, like I I have my own business, so I know that. When you're a business owner, the type of taxes that you um, acquire throughout the year are extremely high right. because you're not getting a physical paycheck every every two weeks or every week that mm-hmm. the government is taking money out. So that whole transaction is completely different. So like you said, if you're making a lot of money, and I don't make that much money, but if you make um, but I know how it feels on a small scale. So I know if I was making $300 million, like, and the amount of taxes that I had to pay and just like putting that as a percentage based on like, you know, what I would be doing if I was, uh, making 300 million, I don't want to pay no taxes at Fuck all. Fuck no. Yeah. If I work for that money, I shouldn't be penalized because I'm rich. Yeah, exactly. That's fucked and up. And it's your fault if you can't, you know, you can't do the same things that I that I'm doing. Yeah, that's fucked up. You know what I found hilarious? Remember we talked about Jeff Bezos uh-huh. and how like he only, I guess he donated like 700000 to the Amazon force that was burning yeah. up. It was like burning up at the time. Uh-huh. And I was like, we was just like, yeah, for the amount of money he has, that's kind of shitty. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, like who are we to tell him how much he should be fucking donating? Yeah. 
Like, who are we? Like, yeah. the Amazon's burning down, and your company's named Amazon, and you said, well, I'll give them 700000 <laughs> <laughs> Yo, if, if Jeff Bezos ran for president, it would be over, dude. Why? Because the White House would turn into just a fucking Amazon warehouse. Dang. They would be running operations out of the fucking White House. What people don't realize, too, is that sometimes a person can own the business, but their actual um, salary is not that much. So that's part of the reason why a guy like Jeff Bezos, like I was just looking it up right here. I think he was making uh, 81000 a year, right? That's the salary that the amount of money he gets paid from. Wow. But obviously he owns a company, so his net worth is pretty. I just pretty think best. that a lot of these <laughs> loopholes are set up. Here's the thing. The world in um, the world at its highest status is set up for rich people. Mm-hmm. The judicial system works differently for rich people. You can buy your way out of jail because you can pay for great representation. Mm-hmm. The same way as fucking Bill Cosby. Bill Cosby didn't get out because he was innocent. We just talked about it. He got off on a technicality because mm-hmm. they had violated his amendment rights. So he was able to get off, but you need good lead. You need good representation, which mm-hmm. costs money in order to do that, mm-hmm. right? The same way as the tax, like taxes. The you could get these loopholes and tax codes when you have that much money, yeah, because you have enough power to know exactly how to get out of it, yeah. You know how to protect your money. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I just think that a lot of rich people abide by a different set of rules. It's like, information. It's information. Yeah. They got lawyers and shit to figure this shit out. They could pay for the right lawyers and the people that know all the new loopholes. Mm-hmm. There's some computer nerd at home right now tapping away like, oh, okay, uh, molecular, the molecular uh, C79 uh, <laughs> a dash C79 QRWK um, says that you don't have to pay this much in taxes mm-hmm. uh, by the month of May. Mm-hmm. They have people that specialize in this shit. Mm-hmm. But regular Joe Blows like us will never understand it. We can't comprehend it. Mm-hmm. So it goes back to the conversation you had earlier about like if you never had that much money like J. Cole, you really wouldn't understand it. Mm-hmm. Like you said that I kind of take his word for it. Mm-hmm. But then I kind of agreed and debunked it. Not debunked it, but I agreed and disagreed with mm-hmm. that point. Mm-hmm. Um, just in this case, though, man, just don't feel entitled or don't think you could tell somebody what to do with their fucking money. Yeah. You don't. You That's just. That's weird. That's like that's like okay. That's like you get third place in a race, and in the first place, the person that beat you, you say, "I think that you should give me that fucking first place medal because I was supposed to win today." Yeah, they gonna be like, "Man, fuck you." Yeah, I'm not giving you my fucking first place trophy. Yeah, that don't make sense. I'm standing on the highest podium. You stand down there, okay? Mm-hmm. Beneath me. You stand beneath me, you peasant. Yeah. Okay, you lost. <laughs> yeah. I think um, it's one of those things. The thing that bothered me the most, like this is something that I would even feel growing up, like, you know, just hearing my dad talk about certain people like they would always see the celebrities on TV and he'd be like, man, they ain't doing nothing for the hood. Like they ain't donating their money and and, and all this kind of stuff. And mind you, he actually he actually didn't know for sure. For sure. What they were doing. Yeah. But I, I just hate when and I've always hated when people. Um, try to tell rich people what to do with their money. And they, they're also speaking on things without actually knowing. Right. You yeah. know, a lot of this stuff that we see, and I, and I don't know um, as far as like Jeff Bezos, I don't know exactly what he does, um, you know, through philanthropy and whatnot. But 
um, there may be things that he's doing behind closed doors that we have no idea. So like even with like Charlemagne, somebody can be like, Charlemagne, you ain't you ain't giving back to the hood. These little toy drives ain't ain't nothing. These little turkey giveaways ain't doing nothing for nobody. But mind you, he's paying like three or four aspiring musicians slash actors rent, you know, just in mm-hmm. order for them to, to to live in New York so they could get off their creativity and That's not have true. to stress over working and stuff. So Yeah, but here's the problem though, and this is the biggest problem. If you see a rich person and you basically make this statement about how much they should be doing, the biggest question is, with the same percentage of the money that you make, mm-hmm. what the fuck are you doing for your community? Nothing. We're all capable of doing something, right? Mm-hmm. So if you say, man, Jeff Bezos only paid 700000 to the Amazon, I don't know what percentage of that is his overall net worth, right? Mm-hmm. But if you took a comparable number to your life, you still didn't donate that to the Amazon forest. What the fuck are you doing? Yeah. Where's your money going, buddy? What's your deal? Yeah. What do you, what's, what you got going on? It's very misleading, too. Like, what what did Jeff Bezos donate that out of his personal account? Did he donate that out of the business? Right. So it's like a lot of a lot of stuff that we don't actually know about, because even mm-hmm. even him being the, the owner of Amazon, Obviously, there's a lot of uh, money and in, in stocks and stuff, you know, money tied up it, it, as mm-hmm. far as a business goes. Right, right, right. But there are people that are that have extremely successful businesses, but they don't even tap into it. That's, that's like a I'm fact. Saying. He could have been a person that, and I don't know, I don't know personally, and I'm not saying that he does this or not. But mm-hmm. if you're making eighty one thousand dollars a year. Um, he could be a person that's kind of living within that means. You know, he may have spent some money to buy a crib and like his his actual overhead is not that high. That's a fact. So, you know, we just never know what people got going on with their money. And even when people look like they're extremely wealthy or they may have a lot of assets, that doesn't necessarily mean they have a lot of cash flow. Yeah. I mean, rumor has it that Jeff Bezos shaving cream is more. It costs more than what he pays his employees. His shaving cream? Yeah, I'm fucking around. (laughs) Jeff Bezos underpants cost more than what he pays his employees in two weeks. Even even looking at that thing, the eighty one thousand, there are actual some people that work at Amazon that make more money than that. Yeah, some. Yeah. Yeah, but like the managers and stuff. If you're a manager, uh, because my friend was a manager and he was starting out at like eighty, so you know. That's interesting. And I, he wasn't even like a super high level manager. He was just kind of like, yeah. So, yeah, man, I will say this. There's a lot of people on TikTok that work for Amazon and they they drive those little sprinter vans that are full of packages and they talk about, you know, um, how it's it's tough. And, you know, they those they, are contracted workers, though. Those are contracted workers, mm-hmm. but they still work for Amazon. Basically, mm-hmm. we talked about this a long time ago. Yeah. It's before they started the program. Yeah. And they complain about it. This, that and the third. Mm-hmm. I get it. But I, honestly, I'll say this. I don't think there's ever going to be a job that suits you like yeah. literally fucking never like like look, I'm a truck driver and mm-hmm. I don't love it. It's a job. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, but my thing is, is I'm stupid and delusional enough to believe that I can make a lucrative living talking for a living. Mm-hmm. You know, you got to be a little bit delusional and stupid. So mm-hmm. I've taken the initiative and the effort and we've been doing this podcast for over three years now. This is the first episode on YouTube. But we've been doing this shit literally every single week for over three years. Mm-hmm. Literally every week for over three years we've done this. Because mm-hmm. I believe that, you know, things will come in due time as long as you do the work and you continue to get better. Yeah. But for my advice for anyone working a job and hating it is to do something for yourself. 
that can transition you out of that job. Mm-hmm. Right. So the people that are complaining at Amazon, like this is crazy. Jeff Bezos is the second coming of the devil. <laughs> like I can't fucking do this shit anymore. <laughs> I almost drove my car into a wall because I hate my job. I'm yeah. like, look, I will tell you, there's no job worth your mental health. Find something that you're great at. A lot of you, a lot of you people that are going to see this. Uh, we might get two fucking views since we just went to YouTube. <laughs> but, for, <laughs> but anybody that sees this, you're great at something. You're not good at it. You're fucking great. Yeah. Like nobody is probably better than you at this. And you are you are not allowing yourself to gravitate to that skill or thing that you love. Try it. But but also, you know, that thing may not make you wealthy. It may not. If sewing, not, not that sewing would like, you know, you can't be successful in sewing. But, you know, if you're just like you passionate about making quilts and stuff like right. that, you may be able to get them off at, you know, uh, like kind of right. like. I won't call it uh, farmers markets, but whatever that mm-hmm. equivalent would be for like, you know, materialistic, you know, goods and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, I don't know if that's the point though. The point is, you may never fucking make it, but you need to try. Yeah, you're gonna die. We're all gonna die someday, and since you know it's 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 that's an irrefutable point. Everyone's gonna fucking die. So since you're gonna die, try something. Yeah, try something you're good at, great at, whatever. And just do that beside your job. If you can give your if you could give your job eight plus hours a day, give yourself a few hours. Mm-hmm. Figure out what the fuck. Oh, I have kids. I'm too busy. There is n- you are never too busy. I'm sorry. I you are never too. Or fucking you're busy. always too busy. And yeah. you just got to make time for stuff. You have to fucking make time. Mm-hmm. You make time to go to the bar on Friday night, don't you? Yeah. You make time to go out with your friends and fuck around. Make time for that dick appointment on you Friday. Make, you make time to. It's fucked up, but yeah. You make time to go get that dick appointment. Yeah. You wear your best favorite perfume. Mm-hmm. We don't want to just be biased and talk about women, but the fellas, you make sure you go get the condoms and, and the Hennessy. Yeah. You get the Hennessy and the condoms. Right? Courting a girl takes a long time too. Oh, it takes a while. Even like, even if you have like something set up, like a booty call set up, like even that transaction, it's it's gonna take some time. You gotta yeah. talk. You might have to put on a movie. That's gonna take. Yeah. You gonna at least watch thirty minutes of the next oh, the yeah. Netflix joint. Then yeah. you gonna you know move on to kissing. And by right. the time you know all of that has done, it thirty one minutes may have elapsed. <laughs> <laughs> You got to wait for the choosing signals at the right time. Yeah. Like, you know, women, they don't just be like, they don't just start kissing you. They might try to arch their booty up a little bit. Yeah. And let you know like they, and they act like they just moving around, but yeah. they really arching ass on you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, man. Yeah. I don't know how we got here, yeah. but uh, yeah, um, this all stemmed from uh, the baby. Oh, dang. Yeah, this is terrible. We got to stop doing this shit. That's how you end up with the baby. If you yeah. Netflix and chilling. Yeah. Netflix and chill, man. Got to stop doing that. <laughs> but but I, I remember I talked about it a long time ago. If you do do Netflix and chill, right? Um, you can't really do Netflix and chill anymore. Yeah, because the movies are too fucking good. Re- <laughs> you're, nev- you're never going to get any pussy if you turn on Netflix now. <laughs> I have to. T- I probably told this story before. I think I did. But I remember like when the red box was popping like, yeah. before Netflix was before everyone had like Netflix subscriptions yep. and stuff like that. Red box was pretty popular. It was popular. Then, yeah. yeah. So I remember once I was chilling with Eddie and I don't know. I don't know what we had going on. We might have finished working out or something like that. And um, he had drove to the to the <laughs> drove to the red box. 
And it was some good movies out at the time. I don't remember exactly. It might have been, let's say, like a Mission Impossible might have been out or, you know, like a Ninja Turtle movie, whatever, like the big blockbuster movies was out at the time. Uh And I remember he got out, walked over to the red box, clicked a few buttons and he came out with some B-level movie. And it was like the B version of Mission Impossible or whatever. I forgot what it was. It was fucked up. (laughs) I've done this more than once. I've done it more than once. I think I got Sharknado one time, too. Just the trashest movie you can ever think of. And he did it so confidently. I was like, yo, I didn't even say nothing at the time, but I was like, whoa, what is what is going on? But then I realized the trick. He's watching a boring movie so he can, you know, ensue or, you know, I don't don't want the plot. I don't want the plot and the storyline to be so interesting. And we both both we both came here to fuck. And now we're not fucking because we are so enthralled by this goddamn Denzel Washington movie. Yeah. Like we're watching Denzel Washington do his best acting movie, yeah. his fucking acting gig, yeah. and and now you know nobody's fucking. That's and the just movies terrible. be long. And the movies be long. Um, so by the time you you know you might start hanging out at like nine nine thirty. By the time the movie's over, it might be like eleven o'clock or something like that. Mm-hmm. So that's one issue. And then also there's 11, emotions. 11 o'clock. 11 o'clock. <laughs> but also there's emotions tied to the movie. So the girl could probably be sad because yeah. she's connecting it with her life. And there might have been like a, a rom-com or something like that. She crying at the end of the movie. And that's just not the... A good the, or bad movie can be the difference between her arching her booty up on you or just like hugging you being sad watching a good film. Yeah, exactly. Like, I'm not going to invite a woman over. Yeah, you got to be a trash movie. It's gotta, the movie's got to be terrible. Yeah. It's got to be terrible. We're talking Sharknado level fucking terrible. Yeah. Bad. Mm-hmm. But yeah. But Sharknado has a cult following, so that, that may not even be the move. Oh, it'll work. They'll be like, these sharks are so funny. I want your cock. Wait. <laughs> <laughs> these yeah. sharks are so crazy. God, I'm so horny. <laughs> Yeah, women are not gonna stay watching that dumbass. First, first of all, when you turn on Sharknado, they know what you're about to do. They know it's going down. They know it's going. They know down. you're trying to swim in that pussy. They know that you're trying to nibble on that vagina <laughs> like a shark. Sharknado. How many movies have they made of Sharknado? Like fucking. It was a lot. I don't know how many. Was and what's funny. weird is it's the shark. It's the CGI is the most. It just. It like my brain will almost fucking explode. Yeah. Because it doesn't explain how these sharks are flying in the air. Yeah. These sharks are flying in the and air. And they be having the actors in there that are like have used to have good careers and whatnot. Right. Yeah. Actors that fucking um uh that turned into Lamar Odom and uh Dang. just just do coke all day. But no, I think <laughs> shout out to <laughs> Lamar Odom, man. Um yeah, man. I it, yeah, there's that. I don't think we got any more to say here. Now we're just black. Shout out to the baby. Shout out to the baby, man. Keep these kids honest. <laughs> Stay out of trouble, the baby. Stay out of trouble. Oh, yeah. Jeez. Don't don't be the guy that gives this great lesson to the kids and then turn around and sock a, a, a 80-year-old woman in the face or some shit. Yeah. Don't do that, the baby. You're better than that. Yeah. All right. Switching gears. Uh, T-Pain just went on a rant recently about originality in music. And I, I, I agree with him for the most part. Here's the article. T-Pain is giving new and upcoming artists his two cents. In a recent Twitch stream, the rapper delivered an emotional rant about how the industry lacks originality in its current day and age. He specifically calls out young MCs who appear to copy today's biggest stars. In the broadcast audience, uh, broadcast audiences can hear T-Pain say, you don't know when your shit sounds like somebody else shit. You're making it because 
you know you're making it you because you think because you're in the studio like what's the number one record right now we need to make another one of those stop mm-hmm. doing that stop you're not original give me some original shit the MC doubles down on his opinion, seemingly putting young artists on blast for failing to produce unique sounds and for, for sticking too clo- for sticking too closely to the formula. T Pain adds, "Stop! Just fucking do something else. Yeah. God damn it! Do you do something different or do some different music? We all have the shit that you're doing. We already have Lil Uzi Vert is already doing. Lil Baby is already doing great. <clears throat> doing it. The Baby is already doing it." It's literally two niggas with baby in their names that's already doing it in, in the music. Mm-hmm. Uh, do something else. Do something else. He's just screaming. So if you guys get a chance, go from this video, but pause it. Don't leave the video. Come back to us. We want to see Open you another tab. Open another tab. Open another tab. the video. Yeah. And if you have your smartphone, you can leave YouTube running while opening your smartphone, you mm-hmm. know, so you, we can keep the algorithm uh, caring about our podcast. Uh, but, mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, he goes off. And I agree with him. Uh, Originality to me is important because this podcast, we base it off of originality. Mm -hmm. Me and Keith say things on this podcast that don't put us in the best light. And we don't care because I feel like being transparent and honest and very human with people is how you engage them. Mm -hmm. Because there's so many things people want to say about themselves (laughs) or the world and they don't because they want to be politically correct. Politically correct does not fucking exist here. Okay, and a lot of podcasts or a lot of a lot of different content creation. That's what they do. Now, if we're talking about music, there are a bunch of artists that have the same sound. That's a fact. I you I mean, if you go to the playlist on uh, on Spotify and me being a truck driver, I hear everything. So I'll go to one of these hip hop playlists. And then the first song is like, next song. You're like, dude, what the fuck is this? Yeah, this emo, this is this like this emo drug addicted rap shit. Stop it. That lane needs to fucking stop. I don't know where it came from. Yeah. Now, there are a lot of really good artists out there. I'm not one of these older dudes. That are fucking like rap is trash now. All rap is trash. There's a lot of artists I love. You know, um, I only be what I say that don't listen to music. They don't listen to music. Yeah. They, they're stuck in 19. I stopped listening to hip hop when when Tupac died. Okay, then stay in 1996, motherfucker. Yeah. It's 2021. Mm-hmm. Okay, and it's sad because a lot of guys that do that shit are my age. They're like 36. Mm-hmm. I listen to a wide variety of things, mm-hmm. but like, uh, uh, what's what's uh, Naomi Osaka's boyfriend? I forgot his fucking name. Uh, Corday. Yeah, why? Uh, uh, why, uh it's Corday. Yeah, why be in Corday? It's just Corday. It's now. just Corday now. Mm-hmm. Since when? Since like last year. Oh, he got new pronouns. <laughs> no. no he, <laughs> why? Why be in was a group. Oh, so got you. Not in the got you. It's just Corday. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, uh, Corday is dope. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like Trippy Red is dope. Juice World was dope. Mm-hmm. Um, recipes of Juice World. Uh, it's so many. Artists, believe it or not, believe it or not, I listened to Lil Xan and some of his shit was dope. Really? Yeah. People would figure like a person named Lil Xanax, oh, fuck him, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> but Lil Xan, Lil Xan was dope. Like some of his shit was dope. Mm-hmm. Um, it's so many other artists, man. There's so many young artists that are dope. Roddy mm-hmm. Rich is dope. Roddy but Rich is I would dope. be lying if I said Roddy Rich was entirely um, original. Mm-hmm. He's not. He's dope as fuck. But when you listen to him, you get the essence of like um, Future and uh, <clears throat> Young Thug and uh, F- 
Future, Young Thug, and it's like one more mixed in there. Mm-hmm. But he's still dope. Mm-hmm. But originality is something that can lack in someone's individual work. Yeah. Like yeah. If- I think that, um, yeah, I, I agree with his rant um, in a sense. I think that, do you think that um, originality is... Um, Cause some people, some people like to say like, "Yo, back in the '90s, like everybody had their own, like had their own thing. Like no one sounded alike." Do you think that's true? I, I don't necessarily um, think that that there are any more. Like I think there was a sound in that era, mm-hmm. um, in, in like the night. I guess the golden age of hip hop. I think there was a sound in that era, and I think that there was mm-hmm. um, people that sounded a lot like each other even back then. That's a fact. I, you say everybody had their own sound. Now, there was a wide range of artists that were way different. I will agree with that. But mm-hmm. as far as originality, like, no, there's a lot of artists that sounded the same. Yeah. Like, you know, like Naughty by Nature and um, what's some other Naughty by Nature? And you know, what was it? Uh, 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 damn it. What was their name? Remember that song? Slam. Dun, dun, dun. Mm-hmm. Onyx. Mm-hmm. Like there was a bunch of other like diluted versions of Onyx and <laughs> Naughty by Nature out there. Yeah. Like, it's just not like it wasn't completely original. By the way, even though 90s hip hop was dope as fuck, it was probably some of the least original music ever because Mm -hmm. it was literally taken from like 80s, like clubs, like Mm -hmm. 80s samples and funk music and shit. Mm -hmm. It was a lot of that. Like Mm -hmm. the the biggest hits in the 90s are derived from that 80s funk or late 70s music. Mm -hmm. Like, for sure. The music that they grew up when it was. Probably five, six yes. years old. Their parents would play the records in the yes. house. And it was like, yo, I'm going to sample this. Yes. Mm-hmm. So you could talk about, if you could be an old guy, this shit ain't original like when I was mm-hmm. young. And it's like, uh, well, you wouldn't be listening to those songs and those hits if it wasn't for people taking fucking samples from the Isley Brothers. Yeah. Because th- that's the, <laughs> the one of the things for me about hip hop, and I love it and I hate it at the same time, yeah. is that there's a lack of musicality. Right. Yeah. Because a lot of what we do is we're sampling other people. We, we may sample something like an old uh, OJ's record and throw some drums on it and, you know, rap over it. Um, but I think just overall, because of that, it kind of it's it's kind of a crutch for a lot of a lot of us. Like, you know, there's, there's there tends not to be as much musicality in hip hop and rap as, as there is in like R&B and in other genres. Um, but that's that's a. Uh, you know, just like a like an originality thing, right? Yeah, I think hip hop is in a way it's I won't say it's failing at all, but there needs to be a separation. Mm-hmm. Like, like isn't like in in country? Don't they have like bluegrass and then they have some other type of? Uh-huh. So it's like there's nothing that really differentiates um, the styles of hip hop. I think we I think we do now. I think we we're able to. Um, I think if you're in it, you you kind of associate different acts like mm-hmm. emo rap. These are terms that weren't mm-hmm. necessarily used maybe like Juice 10 World, years ago. Trippy Red, yeah, or trap. You know, we, yeah. we kind of have that. That's um, true. Or even in in um, like even rap and R and B were kind of clumped together. I think now we kind of have yeah, like it's separate. It's not separated like on the Billboard charts and all these other things, but as like a community, like we we understand like we we're talking about Bryson Tiller earlier. We understand the um. The trap soul, like that kind of like samples with hard hitting drums. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. I think that there was like um, 
since like the inception of these genres, I think there was like a person that kind of spearheaded those movements. Mm -hmm. Like I feel like the emo rapper type rappers, like Lil Wayne is their dad. Yeah. I think yeah. like when you talk about the trip. I mean, they all have littles in their name. Yeah, but well, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> not just that, but the type of music they make. Yeah, but I'm saying that's a reflection of like they only True. have not that he was the only little or True. whatever, but like, like I feel there would not be Lil Xan, there would not be Trippy Red, there would not be Juice World, there would not be any of those artists mm-hmm. without Lil Wayne. Mm-hmm. Like I feel like another one, like for example, like backpack rappers. I feel like there wouldn't be a uh, like. You could put certain artists in that bubble. Like mm-hmm. Chance the Rapper is definitely would be like a backpack mm-hmm. dude. J. Mm-hmm. Cole, mm-hmm. Uh, probably Kendrick. Yeah, for sure. Kendrick. Yeah. Um, yeah there's even a, that. I mean, with Kendrick, even the the just being from Compton, there's a certain amount of influences. Tyler there. the Creator. Shout yeah, out to Tyler, Tyler the Creator. He'd be yeah, another yeah. one in that backpack rap yeah. type. Huge, like hugely influenced by Kanye West. Yes, you know the way he samples the songs. Like he has his own spin to it. Yes, but definitely like, and even being even, even being a producer and rapper, you know, and like slash singing some too. Like that's an influence because I mean, when you that's not an original thought, but that's something that you'd be like, yo, Kanye West is making his own beats and he rapping. Oh yes. snap. Like, let me, Q-Tip is making his own beats and he rapping. Yes. You know what I mean? Like you, that's something that you have to see to understand that it's even possible. Yes. And, and there's certain people he like, Kanye almost birthed them. Like Travis Scott is another one. Mm-hmm. Like, but I don't know. I, I think that there's originality. I don't, I don't think it's subjective, but it can be. Mm-hmm. Because we talked about it earlier, how like Childish Gambino was rapping and he was dope. He still is. But he made that jump in 2015 to like start this whole new genre of music mm-hmm. where it was like funk, mm-hmm. like, almost like remnants of funk. And yeah, reintroduced it. He reintroduced, yeah, he reintroduced mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. So we could say like, oh, that's not original. But it was original to like uh, reignite this thing. Yeah, yeah. Right. And also be your age which is young Mm -hmm. and restarting this genre of music, but putting your spin on it. Yeah. It reminds me of like, if you go to a fusion restaurant, it'll be like a, 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 like the idea of teriyaki chicken or tacos is not original. They're everywhere, but teriyaki chicken tacos is original. Mm -hmm. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. And I've seen, I've seen these fusion restaurants places. Yeah. Man, I'm hungry, man. That shit sound bomb. Teriyaki chicken, Teriyaki yeah. chicken tacos? We've been here for a minute, too. I would totally eat that shit. Yeah. Like, if I would eat that shit, and I would just start speaking some some different Asian dialect. tongues. Yeah. <laughs> I'd be like, mm, got some one though, huh? Racist. Now, <laughs> anybody who's been listening to this podcast know that's a fucking joke. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Oh, nah. by the way, me for any of you guys on YouTube that don't know me and Keith or haven't seen us, which is predominantly most of you guys, me and Keith both do stand-up comedy. Mm-hmm. So follow along with us. Sometimes we'll say something wild as fuck. Yeah. It's not a reflective, it's not reflective of some like misogyny <laughs> or racism. It's a fucking joke. Yeah. It's so jokes, just, man. just stay along with us. Go ahead, Keith. Laugh at life sometimes. You gotta laugh at life. No, nah, but um, I think a lot of people so that th- my take on it is like I understand T Pain and him saying that everyone should, you know, try to have their own sounds. Yeah. But um, in reality, there's no idea that is new under the sun. I right. think I think his conversation more should have steered like, hey, um, 
in this era, we should all find different inspirations versus like, hey, all you guys sound the same. Because um, as you talked about what uh, what Roddy Rich like, you can hear his influences. Yes. You can hear that the type of people. He but he's listens fucking to. dope, though. Yeah, exactly. If you um, if you listen to um, you know J- early J Cole songs, he was sounding like Eminem, and even like uh, mm-hmm. even uh, Kendrick Lamar, he has songs that sound in his early career that sound like Lil Wayne and stuff yes. like that. He has songs that sound like Eminem. Um, you gotta find your sound. Exactly. Uh, but I say that to say like. In reality, there's there's no real originality. Like the Star Wars theme song, which is probably the most popular, um, you know, memorable theme song as far as like movies and scores go, is an interpolation of another like classical musical piece. You know what I mean? So I think that yes, like we should lean on being more original, but I think above all, those same people that are kind of like biting the current sound. Um, if you're talented enough to make a song that is charting on Spotify, you're probably talented enough to actually do the research or do your due diligence as far right. as like finding the inspiration. Because that's that's really what what happens. Like we talked about with the um, like Dr. Dre. I was just listening to uh, nothing but a G thing and looking at the samples that were mm-hmm. were in the song and like how he just kind of like basically did you know basically took uh four bars or whatever mm-hmm. and put it over the beat and mixed it a certain way or even um uh ice cubes uh it was a good day you know yes Isley brothers song um you would have never had these hits without those samples exactly so that's it it's it's a tough conversation i i do understand that um, a lot of people are looking at the charts and be like, yo, this is the type of sound that I need. But I, I do think that those same people, you know, if they really, like I said, did they did they uh, research, they could, you know, come up with something original. Like I, I was uh, having a conversation with Eddie the other day about like Blast and how there are a lot of people kind of, I guess, trying to mimic or trying to replicate that sound that he has. Shout out to Blast, man. Yeah, exactly. And it's uh, it's one of the, we just see it so much and it's it's an unfortunate thing that happens in hip hop. But also I think what happens too is like, there's a wave or there's a um, a an era for certain producers sometimes too. Yes. So you you know when Metro Boomin was going crazy, Metro Boomin wants like, some more. Yeah, it was like everybody needed yeah. a Metro Boomin beat or Zaytoven or all these people. Zaytoven. Excuse me. Even when like Timbaland <laughs> was going crazy, you know what I mean? Like he he was just that guy at a certain point. Yeah. Um, I think now it's which which is strange, and this is like. This is something that T Pain didn't even reference, but sometimes the tight beat, it's a tight beat era. Yeah. So people can literally go on YouTube and be like, yo, I love Roddy Rich's song. Tiger type beat. Yeah, Tiger type beat, Roddy Rich type beat, you know, J. Cole, Kendrick Lamar type beats. And um people are literally making songs that are landing on these things. Like mm-hmm. you there are people that have like charting songs that they they found the beat on YouTube. Um, yeah. So that I think that's something that's kind of going without or that didn't that he didn't bring up in that conversation that is causing everyone to sound a lot alike. I think that the biggest it's important to. How do I put this? Originality is very important for this reason, because in 2015, when Panda came out with uh, Designer, mm-hmm. I thought that was future. 
Yeah. And he was like, I'm independent, independent. I was like, oh, Future killing it. Yeah. And I was like, who the fuck is designer? Yeah. <laughs> who the fuck is this kid? I was and like, he's like, kick, 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 Future going crazy. Yeah, Future going crazy, man. Yeah. I don't want to switch the topic. That's Black Panther shirt, right? I thought, yeah. I thought that was a fucking Decepticon at first. I yeah, was like, it looks what? like it, huh? Yeah, yeah I was like, oh, Panther. fuck. Keith wearing Decepticon shirts? <laughs> I was like, I need meal. Yeah, man. But yeah, there's that. Um, try your best. Well, not even try your best. Being original, it's not subjective. Mm-hmm. It, it, there's a tone of it that's very real. Mm-hmm. The, just the way we converse, how we start the podcast, how we stay engaged, how we do things. is I'm pretty positive it's different than other pods. Now, by chance, there might be some things that are the same as other ones, but we built this platform off of what me and Keith feel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We don't wait for 8,000 people. We don't wait for celebrities. We don't wait for people to agree. Like when everybody was telling, talking about Shakari Richardson and saying like, it's bullshit. That's not right. Let her run. Let her run. We was like, wait a minute. Where's the responsibility at? Yeah, she's a grown woman. Yeah, but it's not even that. I will, our take wasn't even to be tripping on Shakari Richardson because she took accountability. My take was at the people. Yeah. If you know you need to be clean to participate in the Olympics, then what the fuck are you doing smoking weed? Yeah. You fumbled the bag. You never fuck up your own opportunities and your money. Yeah. Weed should never trump the fact that you want to be in the Olympics. Mm-hmm. And that was not a popular opinion. But to speak to originality, me and Keith went out and said, fuck that. This is how we feel. This is what we're going to say. But the mass mass media in the world was like, this ain't right. Yeah. This, is, this is racist. <clears throat> this is this. This is that. It's like, hey, take a step back. Motherfucker, you got to do a clean drug test just to stay at your job. So why would you defend somebody that's not doing their part? Yeah. That doesn't even fucking make sense. Yeah. So yeah, that, I think I think that we we should be um, original. I think there's an original enough. Yes. Um, I think that like even with our podcast, we have influences, right? There, yes. you know, they're brilliant you know, we, idiots. We like the brilliant idiots. Shout out to Andrew that's, Schultz and Charlemagne. That's, that's probably the first podcast I probably ever listened to. Right. Um, so there, you know, when when if somebody wanted to listen to us or, you know, pinpoint something, they could be like, probably be like, oh, okay, I can see the influences here. I can see the influences there. But um, you want to remix it enough to where it kind of is is original to your, to your, to your narrative and your, yeah. the story of your life. Um, and I think that's like, because I remember I was watching this guy, he was making a beat and um, he was, he was trying to like bridge like the kind of salsa music, that kind of Caribbean uh flair and he was trying to make it hip-hop but what he was saying was when he makes the um like the drum patterns and stuff he obviously wants the, the drums to knock like a hip-hop song but he used certain um sounds that were more familiar with hip-hop versus like that kind of caribbean uh not it's not even caribbean it's like the it's like a uh, like a spanish um kind of vibe but um i say that to say like that's how we should treat you know whatever we're doing, you know, even if you got a clothing brand or even if you got a podcast or even if you're, you know, you're starting some sort of YouTube channel, it's like, okay, take what we are, you know, familiar with and use certain things, but also add your own flair to it um, because that'll draw people in more. And then once you, once you have the people reeled in, then you completely go off. You can completely go off the grid. What I like to do, and this is just my opinion, I can see what's working for them. Like, yo, I love that. Mm-hmm. I love that Joe Budden uses those gunshots on his podcast. 
I love that that other podcast uses drops. I love that they do that, but I'm not doing none of that shit. Mm hmm. There's going to be something that I do specifically on our platform. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to look at that and be like, oh, that works for him. I need to get a soundboard. We, we use a soundboard here a few times, but we don't care for it because that's not us. Mm-hmm. Maybe we'll bring it back. Maybe we won't. Who knows? Yeah. But I like to see what people are doing, if it's successful mm-hmm. to them, and mm-hmm. get the fuck away from it. Yeah. Like even doing stand-up. If I see somebody that's cracking, that's having some good, some great jokes, um, and I feel like the premise of their joke is like right on par with mine. I just get away from the joke because mm-hmm. it's like, yo, I could tell that joke, but I don't even want this motherfucker. I remember Andrew was talking about that, too. So that's another thing. I feel like on this platform, if we if I say anything and I heard it on, on another podcast, I like to give them credit for it. Mm-hmm. And the reason why is because I think we've all heard of plagiarism. Mm-hmm. Pro- plagiarism is just outright copying someone's shit. Yeah. So I feel like there's a such thing as podcast plagiarism. If I got an influence or motivation or information from a podcast and I felt it was valuable, I'm going to give them the alley-oop. Like, yeah, I heard on Brilliant Idiots podcast, Andrew said this. Boom. Mm -hmm. Now, I just gave, if they don't know who Brilliant Idiots is, I just gave them another listener. Mm Mm-hmm. Vice versa, just because I feel like it's if 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 my thought process or my opinion or what I heard is not exactly original, I don't want credit for it. Mm-hmm. Give that shit. Give the person credit. It's like royalties. Give the person fucking credit that said the shit. Mm-hmm. I don't want you thinking that I said the shit. So now you're like, I heard on it a Trucker's Mind podcast that he said this, and then somebody gonna be like, Well, actually, Andrew said it first. Mm-hmm. So I don't want to run into that problem. Yeah. So. There's that. Maybe I'm overthinking it. Yeah. But that's just how I move. Um, Yeah. I mean, it keeps you out of, you know, people kind of. I mean, it's the same thing, like you said, with that designer song. Yeah. We the the tone of his voice, the like the tempo, the the flow and everything like no one knew it wasn't future until we knew it wasn't future. Right. Um, So it kind of keeps you out of trouble, you know, in that sense. You know, one of the most unoriginal things that started happening after that Panda song came out. What's that? Is every time people went to Panda Express, they kept posting that goddamn song on their Snapchat. Oh, really? It's like, rah! What a like a panda? What yeah. a panda? And they'd be a Panda Express. Like, no one gives a fuck. I've seen these videos 80 times. Yeah. Like, Jesus Christ. That's funny. Panda sound bomb right now. Yeah, I might have to slide over there. Oh, after this man. Yes. Shout out to Panda Express, yeah. yo. Mm-hmm. I totally should not be eating that. Like, I'm trying to watch my weight. But. Mm-hmm. That goddamn, I think the best item on that whole menu is the honey sesame chicken. Really? Oh, my God. That honey sesame chicken is a motherfucker. I I, I will literally fight a panda to eat honey sesame chicken. That's crazy. <laughs> I only, I literally get the same thing every time. I either get a, uh, I wouldn't even mention that, but I just get the the half and half, the chow mein and the uh and then the rice, and then I'll get uh, orange chicken and broccoli beef. Really? Every single time, yeah. You a basic nigga. I am a basic nigga. <laughs> Keith, hashtag Keith is basic. <laughs> go to Keith's comments and put in basic Keith. Matter of fact, go spam the comment section, Keith is basic. Hashtag Keith is basic. Cancel Keith 2021. Hashtag cancel Keith. <laughs> we got to get Keith the fuck out of here, yo. <laughs> 
<laughs> well, YouTubers haven't heard from me as a racist Asian joke, though. So oh. cancel Eddie as well. Oh, wow. <laughs> wow. Wow. I think it was hilarious, though, that he said that. Like, he had never seen you. And he's like, yeah, man. Y'all show is good, man. I like it, man. You and your Asian homeboy. Y'all this cool. This is a real thing. Yes. I oh, I, I swear. Th- I'm thinking you're joking. I wasn't joking. I was yeah, fucking serious. That's wild. It was this older black dude was like, I love y'all podcast, man. You and your Asian homeboy. Y'all good, man. That's crazy. And I never fucking corrected him. I just said, ah, oh, thanks. Appreciate it. <laughs> that's funny. And then, that's how it be sometimes. I remember I was out once and it was like, man, I love the podcast. I love what y'all doing. You and your dad. Like, <laughs> You know, ain't my dad. <laughs> oh, shit. Oh, that's so crazy. Jesus. Oh, man. Oh, I'm just I here with my believe. son. <laughs> oh, man. That's crazy. Y'all, what? This is why we need audio. We need visual shit. Oh, my God. That is so hilarious. That's, that's really, I, like, it wasn't. It didn't start getting real to me until you said it. Like for like the fourth or fifth time, I was like, "Oh, damn!" This yes, might be it really real fucking thing. happened. That's like, crazy. I yeah. never been called. If, you know what's funny? If no one listens to this podcast, well, not listen, but if no one visually sees it and they mm. just listen to the voices, they may think I'm just some big white man with an Asian co-host. Damn, that's crazy. <laughs> and then they go to the video and see two black guys. They be like, "Yo, what the fuck is going on?" I be saying nigga sometimes. They were probably getting offended. Like, mm, no, nah, they weren't offended. They was like, "Yeah, <laughs> yeah." right <laughs> damn that's crazy yeah that's, yeah, that's hilarious man mm-hmm. but yeah there's that man um switching gears everyone doesn't deserve the extra mile um what i mean by this is is a lot of you guys um you may have someone in your family that's very valuable to you whether it's a friend or a family member and your line, your lines are open for them. Like you, you leave your phone. They could call you at two or three in the morning, and you have no problem picking them up or helping them move their their furniture somewhere. Like there are certain people that have high value, right? Mm-hmm. And you give them the extra mile because they've done it for you. So you have a symbiotic relationship. <clears throat> you have a mutually beneficial relationship with these people. So these are the people that you go the extra mile. Damn, was that your throat doing that? I don't think that so. That shit sounds like... I don't know. They'll hear it. Um, <laughs> I'm just chilling. Anyways, you have a mutually beneficial relationship with these people, which is why you have no problem going the extra mile for them. Mm-hmm. But a lot of you guys work at jobs and your employer may expect the extra mile from you mm-hmm. or certain people may expect the extra mile for you. I'm going to tell you why you never go the extra mile for most people. The reason why you don't go the extra mile for most people is because it will become the fucking standard. They will expect for you that that they will expect for you to go the extra mile because it's become a standard while they do nothing extra for you. Mm -hmm. That's a fucking problem. Mm -hmm. That's a lopsided relationship. Mm -hmm. Don't ever go the extra mile for people who have not earned that from you. Yeah, that shit needs to be earned. You need to be worth it. And here's the thing. Let's say, for example, you initially go the extra mile for somebody you don't know that well. But let's say you met them, you know them about a week, but you help them move their house and you help them do this and that. And be like, hey, man, no problem. And then if the person turn around and they tell you, hey, bro, you let me know whatever you need. I'm here. Mm -hmm. 
Call me if you need help with anything. I got your back. Mm -hmm. That is a person that you should go the extra mile for Mm -hmm. because that person knows that you didn't have to do extra for them, but you still did it. Now they want to they want to reciprocate that. Yeah, that those type of people will always have value to me. Shout out to Terrell Bradley. Right. My boy Terrell. I'm going to bring this up. When I bring it up to him, he like, oh, you bringing that same story up. Back in 2006, my car broke down and I told Terrell and he was like, I don't know where he was, like on the other side of town or something. And I was like, yo, you know, if you could tow me or you could pull me somewhere, just help me push it or whatever. This fucking dude took his his toy. No, his, he had a Honda Civic and I had a uh, I had a four a Ford Taurus. This is yeah, 2006. He literally pushed the back of my car with his front bumper up a fucking hill. Really? Yes. He pushed it up a hill. I said, stop, dude. I'll figure it out. You're going to fuck your car up. He said, no, man, let's keep going. I was like, bro, like I was telling him to stop and he kept going. I was like, fuck. So by the time he got my car where it needed to be, he kind of had some scratches on the bumper. I said, man, I'm sorry, dude. He said, I don't care. I said, this motherfucker right here, Mm -hmm. if he needs me to move his whole house, I'll do it. Yeah. Like, I've never forgot that moment Mm -hmm. because that is a person that stuck their neck out for you and they didn't have to do it. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. So I feel like it is up to us as human beings that when someone does that for you, don't forget it. Mm -hmm. Go the extra mile for them. But your job or somebody that's like, we need some people that are going the extra mile. If all you offering me is a paycheck. You're not getting an extra mile from me. Exactly. Yeah. You you get a job well done. Mm-hmm. You get a job well well accomplished, but you won't get the extra mile mm-hmm. because you don't owe everyone that. That's just yeah. the point I'm trying to make. I, I think with these situations, like you don't know until you know, and I exactly. think that's why you kind of gotta wean yourself into these situations. Like, yes, not that I don't know how you guys' relationship was was beforehand, but mm-hmm. um, I would hope that you wasn't like. If he just hits you like, hey, bro, can you drop me off in Fresno or can you drop me off in L.A. or something like that? I hope you would be like, nah, I can't do that. But after that situation, it's mm-hmm. like like you said, like Yo, I, I'm, do- I'm doing, you know, pretty much anything, anything that he needs from. Yeah, because I know for me, like especially like if you have a certain skill set that, you know, people can appreciate. Even with Eddie, sometimes like people just because they know he drives trucks, they tend to be like, yo, uh, you think you can, uh, you know, I got a load or I'm trying to pick this pallet up in, yeah. in, uh, in L.A. Like, you know, you know, if I kick you a few dollars, like, can you go out there and get it? Like, like and, and even for me, like we got the cameras and, you know, I went to film school and all this kind of stuff. Right, so right. everybody, you know, and their mom want some mm-hmm. sort of content, like literally everybody and their mom want some sort of like content put together or a video edited or whatever. Excuse me. And um, so in, in those situations, you know, people will rely on you more than you need to rely on them. Right. And I think that, like, you know, the important thing for me to to learn is that um, if they're not compensating you in some sort of way, there's no reason to bend over backwards for right. these people in these in these cases. So um, like I, there was a situation where I was in where I was helping this person out 
and, you know, just doing a lot of filming for them and, you know, just editing and different things. And I was doing it in hopes that, like, the relationship could be mutually beneficial. Right. Um, like, you know, that I would help them out and, you know, by way of them, you know, they may be introducing me to people or, you right. know, I, could, I can um, I can grow in some way or, you know, I can have, you know, an extra thing on my resume. But what I started to realize is that the relationship became, like, very one-sided. Yeah, that's not good. And um, so... Um, it was a situation where um, my song had uh, had came out and I was I was like, yo, this is going to be the opportunity where this person that I've been helping out a lot. Like I can, you know, give them the chance or they can either like surprise me or they can kind of affirm what I'm already thinking. There you go. And basically what happened is they affirmed what I was already thinking. They didn't help me out pretty much at all. You right. know, they shared the song and, and stuff like that, but what they were supposed to do or what they had acted like they were going to do was they were going to get it to some DJs, they were going to get it to, um, you know, to Dash Radio and all these different things, and it just didn't end up, it didn't end up happening. Right. So I had to, like, remove myself from that situation because I was, um, like, bending over backwards. It was situations where, you know, I was up, you know, late at night or trying to get, you know, trying to get their content to them, um, you know, losing sleep and not really working on my personal things yeah, and stuff like that. Moving my own podcast around certain days in order to, to go, you know, help this person out. So never again, you know what I mean? And I, you know, that's a lesson that I had to learn. But like I said, you don't know until you know, you know, sometimes you could be in these situations mm -hmm. and it could look very promising or the relationship could look like, you know, it's, it's very, you know, uh, very beneficial for everybody. And that, that is just like a kind of like a, a peer situation. But sometimes those situations can happen with your, with your family members. You know what I mean? Yep. I know for me, one, one thing that I, I started to become, annoyed with is like always being the designated driver right <clears throat> so there'd be situations where like you know we'll this is when i was much younger obviously but when we would uh go out and you know um we go to the club or whatever but i would always be like the designated driver and it came to a point to where i was even like i felt like people were only asking me to go out mm -hmm. because they knew that i don't drink not and, a fucking babysitter. Yeah, exactly. So, but and when you realize when when something is comparable that you need to be done, it, it's not reciprocated. There you so, go. Yeah, I, I I think that some people are life suckers, mm -hmm. meaning that they don't have a problem literally sucking the life out of you, mm -hmm. right? Not like not like in a good way, um, but they don't have a problem. <laughs> <laughs> they don't have a problem sucking. I could the, use a life sucker. Yeah, if you suck the life out of my cock, that's a <laughs> that's a real suck. God damn. But like, like, gluck, gluck, what's the gluck gluck four thousand? Yeah. Can you imagine that there was like a cartoon and you get the life sucked out of you and you just like shrivel up into this fucking paper mache? But no, some people are life suckers, man. They will suck the energy out of you, yeah. and then when it turns around and you need something from them, they can't do it. Let me be very clear. First rule is make sure as a human being that you have something to offer other people. Mm -hmm. That's number one. You should lead with that. You should lead with that. Mm -hmm. But number two, make sure that motherfucking, that person can offer you something too. If mm -hmm. they can't offer you shit, then stay the fuck away from them. Mm -hmm. And that's everyone. If you're married and that person you're with can't offer you something to, to offer something to your life, you shouldn't be married to them. Mm -hmm. If you can't make someone's life more valuable, then you don't have no reason being around them. Yes, yeah, period. We yeah. are too fucking old to be around motherfuckers that we got to keep helping that can't help us. 
that's not a selfish thing to say at all. Mm-hmm. Some people will say like, well, that's not true. You just, you shouldn't always have to have people helping you. I don't know whose voice that is. But <laughs> yes, you should. We're too fucking old to be ex- ex- extending ourselves, overextending ourselves and getting nothing in return. Mm-hmm. That is not okay. Mm-hmm. The only person that I'm willing to help that can't help me is a homeless person. Yeah, that's facts. Because I enter that situation knowing that he doesn't have shit to offer me, mm-hmm. but because he looks tired or he looks dehydrated or he looks like he may need food, I'm, God has blessed me enough to have that for that person. Cool. Mm-hmm. But if you're not homeless, motherfucker, and you, and you ain't got nothing to offer me, then fuck you. Yeah. We ain't got nothing to talk about. Mm-hmm. We don't got no reason to be hanging out. Look here, look, dog, the, where I'm trying to go in my life. Okay, imagine this. I think a lot of friendships end over this because there could be one person that's trying to really take their life somewhere. And there's another person that wants to sit on the couch with no job and smoke weed and be nobody. And look, let's be clear. I don't want to have a negative connotation with weed. Right. Mm-hmm. But some people smoke weed and just become a whole lazy motherfucker. Yeah. Anyways. One person's trying to achieve these heights. The other person's sitting here. They will naturally not be friends because they grew apart. The person that's trying to ascend to a new life, that person on the couch has nothing that he can offer him. Mm-hmm. Nothing. Mm-hmm. So it's like, yo, the person that's up here should not have to keep giving this motherfucker help. And he's giving them nothing back. That's not a real relation. And anybody that will allow a relationship where they have nothing to offer the other person, they're a piece of shit. Mm-hmm. If if I know if I ask Keith for nine thousand dollars twelve times and never paid him back, I'm the one that's wrong. Yeah. Not only have I not paid him back, but I've made the assumption that Keith is good for nine thousand dollars whenever yeah. I want. Mm-hmm. You got to be a real fucked up person to be in these lopsided relationships. Yeah. That's stupid. I think some of that is um, formed by habit. Yeah. I think, um, and and I don't know when it starts, maybe, so say you get kicked out of your house when you're 18 and you have a, you in a relationship with this girl and then you move in with the the girl's family just because they don't want you to be out on the street and they really like you. And then the next thing you know, like you 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 have a job, but then, you know, you may have got fired from that job and that line of work. They're not going to hire you because you might have done something in that line of work. That's kind of like, you know, that could kind of get you blacklisted, you know, like stealing from, you know, a supermarket, whatever the case may be. Mm-hmm. And when you you know, when you go to find another job, they look at your work history and then they realize, like, nah, this, you know, this is this is not the person. So you just kind of on the couch and then eventually your girl break up with you. But you was probably talking to some other girl during that mm. same time so yeah. you end up moving in with her and you know you kind of mooching off of her and then you got some you know some friends in your inner circle and you you kind of nickel and diamond in for five dollars here yeah. ten dollars here you built never a fucked up reputation never paying nobody back exactly so that's kind of like the the type of people that you know that uh that we are talking about and then they come across us and we think they cool we think it's all everything is all good and then one of these situations pop up and you know it's a lopsided relationship yo i'm about to drop some jewels right here so i I want you guys to get a piece of paper Uh right and quote me for saying this never go an extra mile for a motherfucker who can't move a foot by themselves dang yeah don't ever go an extra mile for a motherfucker who can't move a foot for themselves. Mm-hmm. If I see you don't even have energy for your own life, why the fuck would I help you? 
Mm-hmm. Why would I help you if you have nothing going on for yourself? Mm-hmm. That's just insane. Yeah, that's fact. I think the easiest way <clears throat> to get on and sit in certain situations and get on, meaning like if you're a musician, if you're a, a videographer, if you're um, a screenwriter, whatever, talk show host, is if you already moving. It's very rare. Um, like even, you know, when my cousin, he blessed me with a, with the opportunity to work on um, the So You Think You Can Dance uh, in L.A. And he let me live in his apartment and all this stuff. But I was already in film school. You know what I mean? I'd already had, you know, worked on myself and developed myself enough to kind of be in that world already. Excuse me. So I was already um, I was already mo- like, you know what I'm saying? I, I had already moved that foot that we are talking about. But there are certain people that they're not putting any work in and they're just looking or expecting people to to do for them. And uh, it is it doesn't work like that. Yeah, man. Um, I think a lot of us are caught up in these relationships <clears throat> and we just we normalize people who will suck us dry. Yeah. And you shouldn't do that shit. I don't give a I don't give a fuck who they are. Mm-hmm. If it's an uncle or an aunt, or I don't know. Yeah, yeah. You got it. Takes a certain amount of privilege to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You, if you don't, um, if if they have not earned that access to your life, if they have not if they have not shown you that they're willing to go the extra mile for them, it is not disrespectful to not do it for them. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. So if you work at if you work retail or wherever you work and they say we expect our employees to go the extra mile for us. If a company says that, that's not a good rule. That's brainwashing. Yeah, for sure. A company should never expect you to go extra mile for them. Mm-hmm. The, the extra mile. If you're not going the extra mile for your employees, you should not expect that shit back. Mm-hmm. Just expect the job done. Yeah. But you know what? In my history of working in my 36 years of life. I've noticed a common trend with people who go the extra mile for companies. You know what they get in return? Oh, thanks. Uh, thanks. Another day of working? No, this is what they get. Oh, thanks. Mm-hmm. Thanks. You mean to tell me that I did all of that? Before I thank you. Thanks. Appreciate it. Thanks. Pizza party. Here, here's some pizza. No bonuses. No, no, no ways like the extra mile could be some small. They'd be like, how's your day going? Like, imagine if you had like a, a manager coming to uh, like a retail store like Sears and he walks up to an employee and be like, hey, how's your day going? He'd be like, oh, I'm just really tired. Mm-hmm. And be like, um, have you missed any days recently? He'd be like, no, I haven't missed any days. How about you go home with pay? Go ahead and go home. That's going the extra mile for an employee is seeing their situation and offering them some type of aid. That's that's going extra mile for an employee. So now the employee will feel like, you know what? Maybe I will go the extra mile for mm-hmm. this job, mm-hmm. you know. But until then, if you're not getting that type of treatment, leave it the fuck alone. But yeah. what I don't want to keep doing is is regurgitating the same points. Mm-hmm. So I think it's time to move on, man. Where are we at, Keith? Uh, one thirty-three. Thirty-three. All right, we. You think? You think that? Um, Superhead being, you know, very, very talented. Do you think that she would fall in line with these life suckers that we talk about? Yeah, I don't think people know who Superhead is. She is a woman, Karen Steffens, who wrote a book about her sexual escapades with a lot of celebrities and men 
and how she literally sucked their cocks. This mm. is a true story. I'm not making it up. Yeah. There's a book about it. You can read the book. Yeah. You can buy the book. I don't know why I keep doing this. But uh, <laughs> is she a life sucker? She probably will. She probably sucked the life out of you. You might call the cops. <laughs> <laughs> call them. Can you imagine that 911 call? You're like, <laughs> hey. Uh, 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 uh. <laughs> uh, what's wrong, sir? What's the emergency? I can't walk. Why? <laughs> this lady just sucked the life out of me. And I was, well, it sounds like you're okay, sir. <laughs> you got to call us real emergencies. But I can't walk. Just drink some Gatorade, okay? Yeah. That'll be nuts. Nine one one was your emergency. Oh, uh, uh, just, I just got some, the life sucked out of me. Could you uh, give me her number, please? <laughs> dispatcher up there. Now the dispatcher can't work. They call him with emergency call. He can't walk because he's fucking nuts. As- <laughs> oh man, that's crazy. You know, you know, that would be like some um, some art of war type stuff. For like a boxer or something like that. Was that? You know how um, you know the boxers are supposed to abstain from sex and, and mm-hmm. whatnot. If you sent like a like a super head like person to somebody's camp or try to like like Mission Impossible, yeah, try to you know try to get them to get him head, and they come into the boxing match, legs wobbly, secret sucker. Oh man! All right. Switching gears. Uh, switching gears. Uh, the Netflix show Sex Life. Um, I'm bringing this up because it's just an interesting, interesting film. Um, I'll read this little quick article. See mm-hmm. if, see if it uh, gives the, the gist of it, of the premise. Inspired by B.B. Easton's novel, 44 chapters about four men. The show follows bored suburb, suburban mom of two, Billy, who takes a sexual charged up trip down memory lane, yearning for the sexually hot, the, the, the seriously hot sex of her youth, particularly with a former lover. Billy starts writing down her experiences in her diary, but then her husband Cooper finds it and their lives are turned completely upside down. As you probably guess, it's pretty raunchy. And with the, with an absolute belter fin, fin, of a finale, fans are wondering when we'll be getting the next installment of sex life. Well, I'm just bringing the show up. I've seen the, 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 I haven't watched it, watched it, mm-hmm. but the premise of it is interesting. And here's why. Um, for all the fellas out there who happen to be married or engaged or whatever, as men, we have to stop being so naive to the experiences that the women that we are with, like what they've had. There's there's a sexual past or a past that you don't know about. And if you did know about it, you would probably leave your girl. Okay, but in this case, this is a mother who was very promiscuous in college and she got with this particular guy that was fucking the shit out of her, apparently. Right. So this guy's fucking the shit out of her. And then they eventually split up because she wants a more traditional life. So she meets this guy. She has a he's amazing husband. She's married to him, obviously has two kids. She's enjoying it. But, you know, she's not getting the same sexual pleasure that she was getting from back in the day. So she starts logging it all down and her husband finds it eventually. And then it affects him so badly that he's trying to become, you know, the the man that she really wanted to like really be with, mm-hmm. which is pretty fucked up. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and she eventually links back up with the guy that was fucking her brains out. Mm-hmm. What men don't know and they don't want to know is 
There was probably some dude when she was 20 that every time they had sex, she had an orgasm. And she has never been able to replicate that sexual experience her whole fucking life. And now she's with you. You could be a good man. You could be a good husband. But they say you can't turn a whore into a housewife. I don't think that's true. Because I know a lot of people that fucking around and now they're husbands and wives. But I think <laughs> it, in this case, I think it, it, get, it dives into the true nature of women. And that it is no different than men. Women have sexual desires. And a lot of women, most women, I forgot what the number was, but most of them don't have orgasms. Mm-hmm. You remember, you know what the number is? Mm-mm. Yeah, so if, if a woman was with a dude in the past and he was making her have a big O every time they had sex mm-hmm. and she loves you, but you have never fucked her like that guy did. Yeah. And let's say that guy just shows up in town do you think she's not thinking about fucking that dude anymore? Right? I think we like to ignore these realities, but reality of it is, is that there are all kind of things that are taking place around us, man. Mm-hmm. I remember I was telling you earlier, I was like, um, just the idea of like, do you think your wife is attracted to your big stomach now? Do you think when she walks in the room and she sees your big stomach that she just gets wet? <laughs> no. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because when she was in college she was fucking a dude that was six foot three that was piping her ass down and now she's married with you and you drink a beer with your stomach hanging out and she's not really attracted to that yeah but she's not gonna say it yeah what she's not what another thing women are not gonna say is they may have a husband <clears throat> with a barrel chest and a big stomach and he might be a great guy but when she goes on her outings and she goes to the gym there's a dude that's 23, 24 years old that's buff and tall that's hit on your wife two or three times. Yeah. And the only reason why she hasn't fucked him is because she's married. But she's been wanting to fuck him for the past few weeks. These are things that really go on with women and in their mind, but they will never bring it to the forefront. But I'm seeing the reaction from a lot of women that are surrounding this whole show that's on. And they're like, this is so interesting. And it's really like captivating how she taps into her sexual fluidity. And and it's like, wait a minute. We're going to forget the fact that she's fucking married. Yeah. So it tells you that a lot of women have these mirror experiences, Mm -hmm. but they just don't speak on it. Yeah. This show show is, um, you would not catch me watching this show. Nah. But um, yeah, I guess that that situation is it's it's uh, it's it's a difficult one because mm. you have the thing that there is. Um, I always bring up the song, this whole that "Love Yours" by J Cole. Mm-hmm. But in that situation, um, there there's always going to be the best of something we've had. There's mm-hmm. going to be. You know, you might have had one partner that was extremely affectionate, one partner that was like, you know, very complimentary, one person that cooked really well, one mm-hmm. person that, you know, took care of the household, or one person that was the best. I don't know if you got multiple baby daddies and that, you know, maybe they all terrible people, but there might have been one that was a little bit better than the one that stayed in the kids' lives a little bit more than the other yeah. one. So it's it's always gonna be um you know, some sort of uh, comparison if you have a, a history of a bunch of partners. Um, but at a certain point, it's like, what does that 
you know, what does that matter? Like if a, if a man is taking care of certain things, if, if a man has done enough in your eyes to be husband material right. and he lacks in one department, I don't think that gives you the license to go have this sort of sexual experience. And also mm-hmm. like stuff that we've done, like the the sexual experience you had and how how does it say how old she is? I think she's middle. Like she's like late, like 30s. 30s. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you're still like, um, hearkening back to your whole thing, you're 19, college. 20 years old. Like, you are, um, you're missing out on like what the the value of mature, the maturation of life. Yeah, I, honestly. Oh, I'm sorry, you saw, saw. Yeah, I just I just think that when when you're when you're like there 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 are people that used to get like blackout drunk when they're 19, 20 years old and they don't do that anymore. They have, they may have a glass of wine every couple of weeks or something like that. But I don't, you know, I would hope those people in that sense, when they, when they are maturing, um, they are not trying to like relive those situations. Like, man, I, I used to love just getting blacked out drunk and not knowing what I was doing and, th- and those kind of things. I just think like there's a certain value and maturation. And even if you had this like sexual experience with somebody that was just so amazing that, you know, n- n- no one has been able to replicate that. It's just so much more to relationships yeah. than like uh, a sexual experience. And mm-hmm. we, we all know that, you know, if you've had sex with multiple people, that that experience is going to be different across Mm -hmm. the board like there may be um a guy that has you know and i don't want to talk about a man's penis but like it may it just may be a different aesthetic than this other guy or Mm -hmm. you know he may be more passionate or this man may be just more aggressive and you know Mm -hmm. throwing you across the bed and stuff like that slapping you in the face yeah so punch you in the stomach (laughs) (laughs) you like that stomach punch baby huh huh <laughs> oh my god, punch me in my stomach. Yeah, but I just hate I hate this idea because and I think too that this is not even just like from uh a woman's perspective. I think men also in just having conversations with um you know different different people. I hear this with men too like yo, such and such man, you know, she gave the best head. She got yeah. the best head in town or you know yeah. what I mean? These are people that be married, married. And, you know, having, you know, you know, full-fledged relationships yeah. and stuff like that and you know, kind of still bringing up these uh these stories about, you know, these sexual experiences. And I don't think that's really okay especially if you're if you're married and stuff like that, but I just think at a certain point like there's so much more valuable we have to put on life in our relationships and our marriages and stuff than um, you know, comparing them to our previous sexual partners. Yeah, you don't want to do the comparison shit. That's mm-hmm. that's definitely uh mm-hmm. that's not gonna be good. But yeah. no, um it just makes you think. It makes you think about um I had a point I was making right now. I was reading these goddamn notes that I put down here. Mm-hmm. I mean Keith Keith just stopped abruptly and now it just left me to be on a goddamn microphone. <laughs> Thanks a lot. Thanks a lot, Keith. <laughs> yeah. I can talk some more. Yeah, no, you're good. Um uh oh, marriage isn't for everybody. That's what I was gonna say. I feel like a lot of people need to just not get married. Yeah, because a lot of times being promiscuous for people is an adventure, mm-hmm. right? And as long as they live in that adventure, but I've had some conversations with girls that said that they had a whole phase and they said they had a lot of fun, right? I think everybody has their own ad- like addition of what a whole phase is. Mm-hmm. But she basically said I was it was fun to me. I didn't have a problem with it. 
So a lot of women, when they're being promiscuous and they're in college and they're they're fucking all these guys, they're having a lot of fun. They're not going to just tell the world because they don't nobody. Even if they're even if, if a man's doing whole shit. Right. Then it's like appropriated. Mm-hmm. Right. So a man will be like, damn, you fucked her, too, bro. Damn, you're the man, dude. Yeah. But if a woman just told you that she fucked 30 guys, you're not going to be like, whoa, shit, you're a cool chick. I think that narrative is changing, though. What do you mean? It's like it's I think it's more modern now. Like True. um like hearing J. Cole's line when he said, you know, I forget the exact terms, but, you know, basically he said he realized he the hoe. That's why yeah. he, he, he stopped creeping. Mm-hmm. But I know like women in town to where like they are um, they got bodies under their belt. Oh, of, yeah. Like some real like, you know, a dude that may have played D1 football or something like that. And another dude that may be on the news and another dude that may be on the radio oh, yeah, and all this. fucking all of them. And they don't they don't. Um, at least in casual conversation, they don't come off as hoes. They come yeah. off as like like what the equivalent of what a man like. Oh, yo, yeah. she she got game. She was smashing this dude, this dude, and this oh, dude yeah. all at the same time. Oh yeah, yeah. So I do think overall, it's you know we still tend to think of them as like hoes, but I do think there's like this narrative that is starting to shift with like sexual fluidity, mm-hmm. like this appropriated stuff. Here's the difference though. I, I brought this up to Keith. I'm sure that a vast majority of people would disagree, but a married woman has more options than a single man Mm -hmm. here's why the reason why i say that is because men have to actively go out to pursue women in order to gain options a woman just existing Mm -hmm. has options Mm -hmm. so if a woman that's married that is still very sexually attractive goes to the gym right there's Mm -hmm. a 23 year old dude that wants to fuck her there's the the dude at the counter wants to fuck her too the dude that's trying to spot her and hey do you need some help he's Mm -hmm. trying to fuck her too Mm-hmm. So she can't go anywhere without dudes wanting to fuck her. And that is the that is the reality for women. So when women try to paint this narrative sometimes that men are just dogs and this and that, men have to work extra hard to be dogs. Women just walk into dick. Yeah. A woman sitting at the bar minding her business that is sexually attractive with nice breasts will be approached a minimum of five to six times in one night. Mm-hmm. Like literally, I've bounced at clubs before. I've seen it. I've seen women leave with a different dude on different nights in the same week. Yeah. So the, just the just the options are there is what I'm saying. Yeah, for sure. Um, they, I, I, I mm-hmm. think that I think that that's true. I think that um, the availability of just like a human being should they should try to minimize that depending on their status yeah. and definitely their age. So yeah. I would I would hope that somebody in a happy happy relationship is not just out at a club every weekend with the girls. Oh, that's normal very, now. Acting very single. That that's uh, normal now. We did see that video where the guy was like um I think he's just kind of normalizing his girl going out and, you know, with her friends and stuff like that. I'm just like, that's just kind of strange to me. I think there's eras in our lives. And Mm -hmm. I don't think that, um, you know, those things should be uh, broken because I think, you know, when you're when you're in your 30s, you're probably raising kids and stuff like that. You know, your kids might be. Um, starting school and whatnot, and you know, for you to be going out every weekend, it, it just doesn't necessarily match the the, the time in your life. True, I, I think that. Um, I forgot what I was going to say. You can go ahead. Jesus Christ, Keith! I thought you that had true. A, that true messed me up. You ran out of gigabytes, man. What the fuck. <laughs> 
Yeah. You need to get a new hard drive or something. Hey, man. Update the software, Keith. Up. It's, a lot of, uh, it's a lot of information up here. Yeah, update the software. <laughs> <laughs> nah, but um, fucking... Uh, nah, I didn't forget what I was going to oh, say. Oh, someone so, else ran out of memory. God too. damn it. Somebody poured water on my goddamn laptop. <laughs> <laughs> nah, but yeah, this is it's, it's a very strange thing. But it has become very normal in modern society yeah. for... Okay, for all the men and women who will listen to this podcast, I will tell you who flirts the most. The per- people who flirt the most are married people. Mm-hmm. I've had more married women flirt with me than than women who are single. Mm-hmm. Because married people, and I'm pretty sure that that single women have had a lot of married men flirt with them. Yeah. And here's why. Because it is fucking killing them to be in a monogamous relationship. It is killing them. Yeah. Anything that they could do that will take them outside of that relationship without them actually fucking people, they're going to do it. You know how many married people I see across my timeline that always post ass pictures? Yeah. That's not normal. Yeah. If you are a mother and a wife, why the fuck are your tits out on Instagram all day? If you're sending that to your husband, I think that would be one thing. But you sending that to the world. So you, yeah, you sending, these are not photos that should be sent out to the world. You're giving everyone access to your body. Yeah. And it's become normal. And people try to, they try to, they try to frame it as you know, empowerment and love your body. You just want attention. Mm-hmm. Stop it. Mm-hmm. That is fucking bullshit. Yeah. If a man did something comparable that married women do that I see, like if you post some pictures with the outline of your cock or some shit, mm-hmm. they'd be like, hey, what the fuck is he doing? Yeah. But it has become normal in society to do single shit while being married or in a relationship. I, if- I, I think that, um, not that, when when you consider adultery, right, the mm-hmm. the two people involved in the situation are adulterers. 100%. So I think that what happens, too, is there are a lot of guys that don't care if a woman is married or not, you know, and they're still and not that they I don't think that they are 100 um, percent of the blame in those situation, situations. Situations. No, I think that uh, that's you know, your marriage. The, the women should have take some license in, in avoiding those situations uh, yeah. or not putting themselves in those situations. But I think as guys, we got to we got to move on from this like this ego trip where we got to holler or we got to crack married women uh, or yeah, we got to holler at people in relationships and stuff like that. It's just so many. Yeah. It's just, and it's a, it's a badge of honor. Like you hear it in different rap songs. That's why I fucked your wife. Yeah. Yeah. You You hear guys like feature bragging about uh, Scotty, uh, Scotty Pimpin's wife and stuff like that. It's just like, it's just a, it's just played out. Yeah, it's like, played out bullshit. Men mm. men have an ego problem where they see you with a woman and they want to fuck her now. Yeah. Because they think like, if you got her, why can't I get her? Yeah. And it's like, dude, there are too many women that exist in this world for you to be worried about mine. But hold up. If you can get my woman, you can fucking have her. Yeah. Because she's not worth being with me anyways. Mm-hmm. If she moved like that, bye. Okay. Mm-hmm. But here's the deal. Anything that is not conducive to a relationship shouldn't be done. And we're also seeing, here's, here's what happens. This is what I was going to say. When people say you shouldn't be saying what a woman should wear, I'm not saying what a woman should wear or nothing. I'm just saying that if, if regardless if a woman is married or not, when I'm scrolling through Instagram and I see her butt on the counter, I don't see a married woman. I see a nice ass. Yeah. Okay. When yeah. I'm scrolling through social media and I see a blouse with the titties hanging out, I don't see a married woman. I see nice tits. Mm-hmm. So if I see that, that me, me seeing her with those nice tits can turn into me inboxing her. And then she's like, aha, uh-huh, you're funny, whatever like that. And then I tell her, oh, you got a nice booty. And she's like, oh, thank you. 
why should I be allowed to have access to a married woman and tell her that she has a nice ass and she tells me thank you? Mm-hmm. Think about that. This is the society we live in. We live in a society where if a woman is married at the bar, minding her business, and a guy approaches her and she's like, oh, no, I'm married. He's like, well, you, would you at least let me on Instagram? Like, yeah, I'll add you on Instagram. That's still too much. Yeah. You should not have that much access to a married woman. Yeah. And guess what? Them extra followers, that allows you to inbox her, which is no different from a text message. Mm-hmm. Now they got shit where you could hide messages. I think that social media has figured out how many people have infidelity issues in a relationship and they're capitalizing on it. Yeah. They're hiding. They have disappearing messages now. They got all this shit. Yeah. But you got to think about situations that involve you personally and what's really going on in the world. Because like, bro, when I get engaged or married or if that happens, I'm not giving no woman access to me. You know why? Because when you've been through enough women who ain't shit and you get a solid woman, don't fuck it up, mm-hmm. right? And then plus, I want to f- like low-key flex on them. Like I want them to be like, oh my God, Eddie, I love your podcast. I love you to look at Hey, I'm married. <laughs> hey, I'm married. <laughs> hey, I'm married. <laughs> but I just love it. I'm married. Yeah. Give them that married finger. Is that the right one? The right that's one? the left, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's the thing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's just, it's crazy that you know, shows like this, like, here's the thing. There's, it's, it's a lot of, uh, it's a double standard. It's a lot of hypocrisy to this whole creation of this sex life show. Mm-hmm. Because if a man came out with a show like this, and if the storyline was flipped around mm-hmm. where he knew this girl named Deep Throat Debbie, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he was getting sucked off in college. And fucking later on, he's married now. And his wife is not giving him good blowjobs. And then all of a sudden he starts writing a a diary about Deep Throat Debbie. Yeah. This show would get canceled. I don't don't think that would. It would because a man talking about a man having a sexual appetite in today's world would get canceled. It would get. It would. A man, oh, she sucked my dick so good. I love her. And turn it into a love story, nigga? Hell no. It's Fuck no. a, this is a narrative. It's not real. This is a something that somebody. Oh, it's down. real. If you think women aren't thinking about dudes that used to fuck them before, I, I agree with that. I'm sure that was drawn from personal experience. 100%. I'm saying this is not. This is fiction. This oh, is something. It's that, definitely fiction. Yeah. But regardless of it being fiction <clears throat> or not, there are certain double standards that men benefit from, or and women don't. Vice versa. I just don't know if you can have a show that's based off a chick that was sucking his cock in college and now he's married to a good woman who's not cheating on him. But he complains about 15 percent of the relationship, which is sex and how the head and the sex ain't good Mm -hmm. and how he's having thoughts about this person. And it's like they kind of romanticize the interaction between him and Deep Throat Debbie. And it would, oh my God, I just don't know in today's climate if you can come out with that without getting a bunch of pushback. I think the reason why it's also, this show is okay is because you don't, this is not a normal thing to see from women. It's it's, it's giving their experience and that's not the norm. Yeah, I think that the sexual experience of women in, in entertainment is a lot more palatable, but I don't think that 
I think that they could make, I'm sure that there's probably a show out there. I don't watch every show, but mm-hmm. I just don't think the narrative of a man uh, going back to a deep throat Debbie is uh, worthy of getting canceled or not making the show. Yeah, it's not worth it, but it would be canceled. It totally would. Like I don't agree. I would get canceled just because people are so fucking sensitive. Mm-hmm. And the fact that they'd be like, this is just misogynistic, that he has a good, strong woman and he's cheating on her for deep throat Debbie in college. Men need to grow up. It'd be it'd fucking Twitter would go nuts. <laughs> Twitter would go nuts. I think we understand. Like if motherfuckers are willing to go back X amount of years for a tweet from Kevin Hart, man. And they're willing to go back on all this shit. Of course, they're going to fucking and they're not going to successfully cancel the show, but it's going to be it's going to be so much fucking backlash. I'm trying to find something else that's an even more a better example. Mm-hmm. Like you can't make a show now telling a woman to go in the fucking kitchen and make you a sandwich. That mm-hmm. shit ain't getting no playtime. Yeah, you can't do that. You can't do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you ain't doing that. Mm-hmm. And plus, I can make my own sandwiches. I'm an independent man. OK. <laughs> I make the sandwiches miles. God, you can imagine getting an argument with your wife or your girlfriend and you fucking tell them, you know what? Isn't this about time? You look at your clock and you'd be like, you know what time it is? You're like, what? It's time for you to make me a sandwich. God damn. They would fucking lose it. They flip, huh? It's something about the sandwiches that pisses women off. Yeah. I would never tell a woman that though. Most, in a joking way, I would. In a joking way, you could get away with mm-hmm. it from a from a under the satirical <laughs> thing. But like, I know this is YouTube, but I don't at at all want to be politically correct because mm-hmm. in my heart of hearts, I know, I fucking know that the internet will go nuts. Women will go crazy if uh, there was a show comparable to this for a man writing a diary about how bad the head is while he has a good wife. That shit would not get no play. I don't even think I don't think people base if they like a show or if they don't like a show based on um, that type of subject matter. I think that I think they're first looking for the quality of the show. So if if the whatever uh, deep throat Debbie. Um, if that storyline was wrapped around like the the creators or the writers on and, and Breaking Bad or The Wire, um, I think that that show would have legs and it would it would last as long as they would want it to. Um, but I, I don't think that narrative is enough for like people to get to get canceled. You don't think it is, but I know how fucking sensitive America is. That's the difference. A lot of times we got to think outside of our own brain. Yeah. And and a lot of times you'd be surprised when motherfuckers are, you know, we live in a time now that is it's very we are still adjusting to the shit that's changing in the world. Mm-hmm. So we could be like, hey, you know, uh, can I have a no? You could be like, yeah, I love my car, man. I love my Mustang. Sally has been real strong. So why does it have to be a woman? Yeah, <laughs> shit like that really happens, man. It's like, god damn. This is TV, though. I don't think that yeah. a lot of the stuff that goes on in TV is like palatable in the real world. But I don't know. Things that go on TV are not palatable, palatable, palatable in the real world. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I me, I don't watch much TV these days. A lot of stuff is streamed. Yeah. I'm I'm, ta- I'm not talking about literally TV. I'm just talking about what we're watching, streaming service, Netflix, all this type of stuff. Hmm. 
You're literally watching a TV, though. All right, folks, in the comments, tell us what you think. Do you think a show that's comparable to this would be possible for men to do without receiving deep backlash? Mm-hmm. What is your opinion? Tell us in the on, on the comments. Let or, us know. Or go to Instagram or go to my story or wherever you see it. Go there. Because mm-hmm. I'm tired of fighting with Keith, man. I'm getting tired of his hair. <laughs> Hashtag cancel Keith 2021. <laughs> deep throat Debbie. <laughs> Hashtag deep throat Debbie. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. All right. Uh, switching gears. Stephen A. Smith's comments about baseball player Shohei Otani. Uh, for those who do not know who Otani is, he is a baseball player who plays for the Anaheim Angels, and right now he is currently on fire. Um, that guy's pitcher and he fucking hits. This guy's a double threat. Uh, and Stephen A. Smith, Shohei Otani and how racism gets coded as concerns over marketability. Well, I mean, that's not a very objective title. <laughs> they threw that one in it's there. It's not man. a very objective title. <laughs> see, see, that's how we do things on this podcast. I can tell if something's objective or not just based by, like, if it, like, for example, if a black person wrote it and then it, you could tell it'll be like, let's say somebody, a white woman called the police on some black mm-hmm. people minded a business. Mm-hmm. It'd be like, Karen, strike again. I'm like, yeah, this is not objective at yeah, all. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. This is not objective at all. All right. Um, as Asian Americans speak out against ESPN analyst Stephen A. Smith claimed that Major League Baseball star, star Shohei Otani, who is Japanese, shouldn't be the face of the sport because he uses an interpreter. Experts say much language, such language reflects deeper insidious beliefs about who gets to represent America's historical pastime. Smith, who has apologized, came under fire Monday in a discussion about the warning popularity, warning about the war, what, what the fuck does it say? waning popularity of baseball in a morning talk show first take he he said uh, that while he understands that baseball is an international sport when you talk about the audience gravitating to the tube or the ballpark i don't think it helps that the number one face is a dude that needs an interpreter a few hours later he tried to clarify his, st- his comments by doubting by doubting doubling down saying he was talking about the marketability and the promotion of the sport uh, but experts say debates about marketability have often disguised racist ideas, particularly in the context of the sport that is considered traditionally American. I'll tell you what, I don't think this is racist at all. I don't. I think it's fucking stupid. Yeah. But I don't think it's racist. Mm-hmm. I think it's fluff that should have never been mentioned. Um, you can tell by the tone of whoever wrote that post. They probably had been very liberal. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I don't want to use the racism term, but. I think it was fluff. I think it could have not been mentioned. There are a million athletes that use interpreters. So Stephen A. Smith, you dropped the fucking ball. There's the problem with some guys like Stephen A. Smith is they they tend to just talk without being like vetted. Like there should be someone else that reads your shit because mm-hmm. that just doesn't make sense. Like he needs an interpreter. Of course, English is not his first language, stupid. Mm-hmm. And what if he is learning English? There's yeah. nothing wrong with having an interpreter. Mm-hmm. If if Major League Baseball has opened the floodgates for international players, they know that these players don't speak English. Yeah. Their objective is to get butts in the seat and watch people hit home runs. That is the objective in Major League Baseball. But to sit there and say that the his the marketability of the sport is in jeopardy because it's with the Japanese player that doesn't speak English, that's fucking bullshit. I don't believe that at all. Mm-hmm. Don't believe it at all. 
because I mean we baseballs came a long way from you know the the, the situation with Jackie Robinson who mm-hmm. was an English speaking person mm-hmm. and because he was black he didn't get a lot of the you know uh, reservations and respect that the other players got yeah he had to use different locker rooms yeah so fucked up mm-hmm. so I mean we've came a long way in the sport just in sports or in in, in America in general um, but yeah I. I'll have more on this, but I'm sure, Keith, you got something to say. Yeah, I mean, I agree. I think what he said was it's not racist. I think that um, I think it was ignorant. Yeah, it's very more stupid. than anything. I think that uh, also baseball has much bigger problems than the best player being someone that doesn't speak English that well. Right. I think baseball and I and I actually I don't love baseball, but I like baseball, um, especially during um during like the playoffs in October and stuff, it, oh, it gets, yeah. you know, it gets pretty exciting. Um, but I, I, I think there's a, a huge disconnect with baseball in, in, in uh, Americans nowadays. I think, I don't know, I don't know what it is. I don't know how to fix it, but it's, it's had a huge drop off in comparison to some, some of the other sports that are attention gaining, span. Yeah. That are kind of gaining um, some steam. So, um, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I don't think that the the, the real uh, problem with baseball is that the best player. I think he was he's obviously really good at baseball. I think that it, the same the same thing with um, with Jeremy Lin when he kind of came onto the scene. Yeah. I don't know if he made basketball more popular, but for a few probably like a month or two, he was kind of like the guy every time. Um, Sports Center came on. It was Lynn Sanity, and you know, you know, pretty much everything. He he couldn't do no wrong in that in that in that time frame. Right. He was dropping buckets on you know, you know anybody in the NBA, and I don't think that um, I don't think that did anything to hurt the NBA. And not that these no. situations are comparable. I'm just saying that for somebody to be good, whether they can speak English or not it can't hurt baseball. No. And I think that just this conversation and this narrative is only bringing more attention to the sport because people are like, yo, who is this guy? Like, I want to see who this is. I want to see, um, you know, why people are talking about him. I want to see why he's trending on on Twitter. So it's going to it's only going to draw more people to, to watch him. So Stephen A. Smith, I think a lot of times he has this. Um, I think when when you're talking five days a week, for two two hours at a time and you're probably jumping across you know four or five different sports 30 or so different uh topics i think i wouldn't say he has a license to say something stupid but i do think that stupid things can come out in 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 that and you know um i'm not a person that hasn't said you know dumb things on this podcast myself i don't think i've said anything as far as like you know, he needs an interpreter or, you know, he shouldn't be the face of the sport because he needs an interpreter. But um, it's just a situation where these people um, and they think very highly of themselves. They think right. everything they say is, you know, gold. They think yeah. that, you know, their opinion is fact. And I think that um, he's a person that frequently says stupid stuff because he's talking so much. Yeah. And I think it's also because having a sideline conversation is a lot different than speaking on air. Mm-hmm. So he probably had this conversation with an executive at ESPN mm-hmm. and he's like, yeah, man, his marketability is messed up because he's Japanese. Mm-hmm. He's speaking fucking English. And he was like, that's right, Stephen A. You yeah. should talk about that on the show. Yeah. But these sideline conversations to get your ass in trouble. Yeah. There's certain ways that you could feel that way 
But don't you dare fucking say that shit as an ESPN analyst. Yeah. See, difference between it between Stephen A. Smith and me and me and Keith is that me and Keith do a podcast that we create the content that we put out. Mm-hmm. We don't work for some huge company or conglomerate. We work for us. Mm-hmm. So when we say something, we live and die by those statements. Mm-hmm. But with him, you make those statements. You represent ESPN. So you got to watch what the fuck you talking about. Yeah. Or you will be canceled. Mm-hmm. You see what's good? Right now, ESPN is imploding. Yeah. They are fucking imploding. And Rachel Nichols. Rachel Nichols. Mm-hmm. And then Rachel Nichols got all kind of rumors out that she was fucking Jimmy Butler and shit. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't know if there's any any truth to that at all, but you never know. Who yeah. knows? Mm-hmm. Maybe Jimmy changes them to Jimmy Backshots. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, who knows? But mm-hmm. Rachel Nichols shit was going on. Now Stephen A. Smith shit's going on. Then Maria Taylor shit's going on. Yeah. ESPN, you better figure it out. Stephen A. Smith, I mean, he says these kind of things every so often. Like, I don't think... It would have to be something outlandish for Stephen A. Smith to really get uh, dismissed from the show. Like he had to say something really crazy, because um, all he—I mean, he, all he can do is you know come and apologize and say you know that wasn't his intentions or you know he he shouldn't have said that or or whatever the case may be. This is the problem, man. I, my objective doing podcasting or any form of speaking is to say things and not have to fucking apologize. Mm-hmm. I do. I think me and you do a great job of saying things and and being that this is a, a podcast, a long form mm-hmm. conversation, we get to give a very nuanced take. Yeah. But if you're on ESPN and you know that you're sharing the mic with people, and you only got so much time. If you choose to 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 stand on a topic or say something, you need to do your due diligence and finding a way to cut down that conversation and be very direct. And and also be very thoughtful of how others might take it when you say it. Yeah. That shit is important. Yeah. Right. So Mm -hmm. like for Christ's sake, I'm a truck driver. I know this. I'm Mm -hmm. not I'm not a a journalist. I didn't go to school for journalism. Yeah. You know, so but with him, you be some of the stuff like when he when Stephen Ash got that job, he's like, it's very simple what that was white privilege. It was white privilege. It wasn't white privilege that gave Stephen Ash that fucking job. I, I think I think Stephen A. Smith's problem is actually his personality. Yeah, you, you're you get you get hired on these shows because of your your personality for the most part, and then your 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 knowledge as far as like sports and stuff like that. But I think um, the the statements that he makes is just a personality. It's just a character flaw that he has. Um, so for, for me, I don't make outlandish statements like Kawhi, not Kawhi, but um, Who's a guy that's been trending at center for the former center for the Lakers? Was it he? Your mama's cooking. This is mama's cooking. Oh, Kwame Brown. Kwame Brown. I don't know. I call him Kawhi, but Kwame Brown. Like I'm a person that is not just gonna be on this podcast every single week dissing Kwame Brown. You know what I mean? I'm not a person that's gonna. And Stephen A. did that. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Um, just I'm not, you know, he, he makes his grandiose statements about uh, Kyrie Irving and, and Kevin Durant. And that's the, you know, the the uh, the sorriest move any NBA player has ever made by Kevin Durant going to the world. Like he makes these grandiose statements and this is just his personality. These are right. things that he genuinely feels in his heart. So um, I think that's his issue more than anything. There's There's no like there's no training that can help him with that. There's no. Uh, you know, no sit down with HR, whatever the case may be that can help him 
um, to kind of remove them, to remove that these type of takes from his his lingo, because there's probably a YouTube video with 45, 50 minutes of straight like nonsense from Stephen A. Smith oh, about much. disrespectful statements and, yes. you know, white privilege statements like the coaching job. And, st- and these are stuff that we have, you know, just come up on the fly, you know, just podcasting right now. So I know there's more, you know, way more takes than that. Even like, you know, stuff with Kobe Bryant, like he speaks so definitively about things. Um, and then he'll interview Kobe Bryant a little bit later. And Kobe Bryant, like, no, nah, that wasn't the case. Actually, Phil Jackson had took me out of the game. I don't want to come out of the game. And he'd be like, oh, 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 okay, okay. So it's just like, you, you know. You'll be, know, be knowing what the fuck you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, exactly. And ke- a guy like Kevin Durant would be like, he'll get on Twitter and he'll call these dudes out. Like, no, that's not true. I never said that. I wasn't even there that day. Or, you know, I never had a conversation with Stephen A. Smith. Stop lying on me. So. It's just Stephen strange. A. Smith will say some shit and he'd be like, what I hate the most about what he does is Stephen A. Smith will say something like, my sources tell me yeah. that Khabib is afraid to fight Conor McGregor. <laughs> he feels that his time is over. You'd be yeah. like, dude, if you don't shut the fuck up, man. He ain't got no sources. You ain't got no fucking sources. Your sources are your sources are your fucked up hairline. That is the only sources yeah. you got. <laughs> Stephen A, and the thing about it too is like he's this character. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to get caught up in talking bad about him, but there is some there he has some very profound statements. Mm-hmm. But the problem with that is when you think everything you say is profound. I know that sometimes I might sound like I'm full of shit mm-hmm. or sometimes I might be off base. But truth of the matter is I know I realize that. Mm-hmm. I don't think Stephen A does. Yeah. I think Stephen A thinks he is fucking Moses every time he says something. Yeah. He think he is parting the Red Sea every time he fucking says something. Yeah. And it's like, nah, bro. Like, chill. And then what was weird, you mentioned uh, Kwame Brown. Stephen A Smith spent X amount of years randomly bringing up Kwame Brown. Yeah. Kwame Brown. Let me tell you something. I'm not a violent guy at all. But if every time you bring me up, you do it in that fashion and you're doing it over and over again, mm-hmm. if I see you in person, I'm going to slap you. Yeah. Like literally, I'm mm-hmm. going to slap the fuck out of you mm-hmm. because you you think it's okay to play with me. And that's not okay. If you have a real, if you have a constructive criticism of what I'm doing, mm-hmm. I don't have a problem with that. Everyone was not put on this earth to agree with everything you do. Yeah. But let's be very clear. You will not get on air and chastise me every fucking chance you get. Mm-hmm. You got me fucked up, dude. Yeah. You got me fucked up. That is not okay. Yeah. Especially when we seen you we seen you boxing. Oh, dude. If 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 you could look up the definition of hitting like a bitch, Stephen A. Smith would be in there. Yeah. Stephen A. Smith was like <laughs> He's throwing uh, uh, Joe Rogan said he was throwing dick punches. <laughs> like, dude, I, I thought Stephen A could fight with his, yeah. with as much confidence that yeah. he speaks about, like he speaks with. I would assume you could defend yourself. I always ask, you know, bringing up the fact he's from New York and all that. I'm from New York. Yeah, I'm not afraid of nobody. Yeah, we could go toe to toe. I don't care. <laughs> Stephen A, you hit like a bitch, man. You can't do that. Yeah. You cannot simultaneously. Hit like a bitch and talk tough to people. Yeah. Because now they know you can't fight. And you're talking to real, you know, professional athletes. Oh, my goodness. You they're know, physical specimens. There was a, a there was a guest that, that Joe Rogan had that was so pissed off. 
Mm-hmm. He was mad at, at Stephen A. Smith because Stephen A. Smith during the fight was saying, he ain't he shouldn't fight no more. He ain't got no heart. His he he lost that quick. He didn't even want to fight. Mm-hmm. And the guest that was on Joe Rogan, it was an MMA episode. He was like, fuck Stephen A. Smith. Fuck that motherfucker. Mm-hmm. So these these fighters give their heart to fight. Mm-hmm. They could die in the ring. Yeah. Like that's not okay to say that about him and saying they don't have no heart and all mm-hmm. of this. And I was just like, he does have a point. Yeah. I just think that they should not allow Stephen A. Smith to do certain sports. Basketball, you can speak basketball all day. That's fine. I don't think his takes in basketball are much different than MMA. I think the only difference is we yeah. are more familiar with him being talking about basketball. Uh, I just, so I, I say that to say, like, he doesn't have any more merit in basketball talking about someone's character than in than MMA. And I think that the mm. things that he says in basketball are almost equally as terrible like i'm obviously it's a combat sport so it's it's more dangerous as far as mma but the things that he said about kwame brown is not okay by any means no but my my take is more or less he has more knowledge of the game of basketball he Mm. doesn't know shit about mma yeah so if you're covering a sport you don't know shit about and you throw dick punches in personal life the people in the fighting community have no fucking respect for you. Mm-hmm. You don't even know how to throw a proper punch, but you are, even if you didn't know how to throw a proper punch and you were actually giving your take on the fight, there should be a more respectful way that you speak. You should be more humble. Most fighters are humble people. Like I know people that do Brazilian jiu-jitsu and they know all the different chokes yeah. and the leg lock. They know all of it, right? But they're mm-hmm. like, hey, how's it going, man? I mm-hmm. noticed they're really cool because they know they could fuck you up. Yeah. But why is it a per the reason why I bring that up is why is it that people that know mixed martial arts and Brazilian jiu-jitsu that come off as very kind and very thoughtful, but Stephen A can't even fucking throw because a punch. He can't fight. Is but that I, what it is? I I don't know. I, I think that the reason I, I, I brought up that point, um, is as far as like his tone not being any different with any sports, he would probably say a tennis player ain't got no heart, and I'm sure he mm. don't know how to swing a tennis racket. It's just a, it's just his personality. Like I don't know about Max Keller, Max Kellerman's boxing history, or if he knows how to fight or not. I seen him some punches. He can swing. But when he gets on to uh, you know these platforms and he's communicating about boxing and talking to people, he, oh, he he's talking about it with a certain respect. Oh yes. So I, I just think, think like it's it's a, it's just a character flaw with Stephen. Smith. I think I seen Max Kellerman hit a bag one time. Really? Like Max actually got hands. Mm-hmm. Like legit. Um, that's crazy. I can see uh Stephen A. Smith right now. Serena Williams' booty is too big. <laughs> she can't play tennis anymore. <laughs> There's no way that booty is gonna go across the court. <laughs> Get somebody else to play the game. <laughs> oh that's man. Crazy. Oh man. <laughs> <laughs> Venus William need to stop dating white dudes. <laughs> That's all she dating. She need to get with a brother. <laughs> uh, Serena Williams need to stop having biracial children. <laughs> and her booty too big to be playing tennis. Odell Beckham is a metrosexual. <laughs> you can't be good at running routes when you're metrosexual. <laughs> Oh, it'd be crazy. <laughs> Stephen A. Smith would be like, Are you gay or not? I'm hearing rumors. My sources tell me, my sources tell me that Beckham 
was in a gay club. Is that true, David Beckham? Uh, <laughs> David Beckham be like, nigga, what the fuck did you just say? Oh, that's funny. Oh, man. <laughs> Come on. Stephen A. Sources. Can you imagine Stephen A. ordering from like a Mexican restaurant? <laughs> Let me get four El Pastor tacos <laughs> with a cerveza. Not a cerveza, a cerveza. <laughs> Shut the fuck up, man. All right. I got nothing else, man. That's not, that's, yeah. that's the end of it. That's it, that's it man. We can go yeah. ahead and wrap it up because I'm running out of Stephen A. Smith uh, <laughs> impersonations. Make sure you subscribe to a Trucker's Mind podcast. Go to YouTube, click the subscribe button, and let's cancel Keith in 2021. <laughs> Get Keith the fuck out of here. <laughs> <laughs> oh man uh, well alright well it looks like we've made it to the end of this podcast man we appreciate you guys for listening and now viewing the podcast if you made us. it to the end yeah. thank you for listening to Trucker's Mind Podcast I'm Eddie McGee it's your boy Kate Fings and we're out of here peace <laughs>